This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, we've been off for like a week, right? Um, But we weren't off. (laughs) No. <laughs> For those of you who listen to the podcast, who are familiar with this game, who follow us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, um, you know, V5 is coming out and we were given the opportunity to get an advanced copy of it so that we could read it and review it. And I think, uh, you know, we're doing it. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, um, truth be told, like um, reading a 400 page book and then like turning around and recording a podcast about it. It's not something that's easily accomplished in the course of a week, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, it is a testament to the quality of content that we did it. Right, right. Um, this book, again, it's like a 400-page book. And I can tell you, just before we even get started with the review, it's not, it's not as simple as it was going from revised to V20, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, here's like the little tweaks and differences. This is not a tweak, little, you know, little adjustment here, little doodad there. This is a fifth version. And I would say, um, again, I don't want to go too deep because I got some stuff we need to talk about. But um, I would say, go get your wine, go get your coffee, go get your ice water, you know, grab a snack because we're going to go in. Like, this is really... This book launching for good or for ill is a really big deal for our podcast. And and me and Nate are committed to being uh not not to be raw in the sense of tasteful, not rude, right. but but raw as in like we're not gonna be glammed by its V five no matter our excitement. Uh we're gonna give you the pros and cons we can see and you know, then we'll 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 give you our opinion, which is exactly what a review is. Right. Right. Remember, we're adequate here at Utility Muffin Land. <laughs> so um, the first thing that I wanted to go over is just uh, the the meetup that we have coming up at Gen Con. Um, Gen Con is like what less like I think it's two weeks away today. Um, and if you're listening, there's still an opportunity for you to get into our meetup. Um, so I've recently moved to Indianapolis. I'm down the street from the convention center. And Bob is going to be coming up and, um, you know, we, we would have done that anyways, but now that we have this podcast and we have the opportunity to meet up with people, you know, we were like, Hey, what do we want to do? Right? Like first thing we had to do is we had to figure out space. Like, you know, we don't want to just meet everybody in front of a fountain and be like, Hey, I'm Nate. Hey, I'm Bob. So, um, we were able to track down, um, with the help of our good friend, Rachel, we were able to track down, uh, some space that is actually really cool and really inviting. And so on Thursday, uh, Thursday the 2nd, you guys will be able to, from 2 to 4, you'll be able to come hang out with us, chat, BS, and we're going to have a really cool giveaway as well. So um, for those of you that are fans of the podcast, for those of you who are are interested in V5, our giveaway will be in line with that. That's what I can tell you from here. Also, we're going to have some snacks. We're going to have some drinks. And we'll probably even have some muffins. That's that's what I'm happy about the most. 
Right. Like adequate muffins. Right. Utility muffin labs. We are not going to provide you with exceptional muffins, but they won't be terrible. No, sir. They'll be, they'll be completely average muffins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and so we're, we're our, our giveaway, I'm going to tell you that right now, it's not really a giveaway, right? We're going to make you work for it. But what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to have a contest. So we would advise anybody who's going to bring your rock, paper, scissors skills because we're going to make you go through a tournament-style rock, paper, scissors uh, scenario, and the winner uh, of that contest will get um, some cool stuff, and probably the, the runner-up will get some cool stuff, too. doesn't really matter. Um, the UML Chopathon 2018, folks. Absolutely. Bracket-style tournament, the whole nine yards. I would say if you've never LARPed, that's okay, because everyone knows rock, paper, scissors. If you've LARPed, now is your time to show off a completely inane skill that uh, might get you some free, cool swag. Um, now, uh, there are tickets available. Um, and they're free. So if you want to come hang out with us, awesome, do it. Um, but you only have two weeks to do it. Um, you want to go to our event page and links to that will be in the social, in all of our social media on our Twitter, our Facebook, um, the, the link is too long to, to tell you what it is. That's just completely pointless. So again, we're going to be meeting up on Thursday, August 2nd from two to 4 PM, uh, Eastern standard time. And we are going to be at uh, Voluta Tattoo. Voluta Tattoo is a mile walk from the convention center, so it's super close. It's like a, an eight-minute drive. You can get an Uber or a Lyft, and it's essentially one road that's going to take you right down there. The location... Or, go if ahead, it's nice Mike. out, you can hoof it. Yeah. We've, 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 done, I've done, we've done those distances around Gen Con. Right. Gen Con vets are used to it. But if it's if it's nice, do the walk. If it's hot, I expect Uber. I right. understand. Right. It's it, like I said, it's one mile. It's a twenty minute walk if you walk slow, and it's literally a straight shot. It's located at ten sixty North Capitol Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the historic Stutz Building. Um, Stutz Building is awesome. It's uh, basically it was a old car factory that's been repurposed into like office buildings. It's freaking awesome. Um, so the Voluta entrance is a few doors down from the main building entrance. We're going to have a sign. So keep your eyes peeled for our logo and that will help you to get to the location. Um, and as a sort of exchange of kindness, um, you know, we're not, we're not giving them, um, you know, we're, we're going to give them some, some, hopefully some business, maybe not, I don't know, who knows, but anyways, Voluta Tattoo is an awesome place, I just want to talk about them briefly, um, it's a fine art tattoo studio, um, Conan, who is kind of like the main guy of the studio, is, uh, I, I would say just check out their Instagram, because some of the work that this guy does is freaking ridiculous, um, Bob, you remember me showing you the tattoo of the death dealer that he did on that guy's back? Oh yeah, yeah. So like this, the the talent involved here is very much a step above just your standard, you know, slap a design on your arm and and you know go to work. It is, uh, it's the studio is really cool. Those that are coming, you're, I mean, that's going to blow you away, anyways. But it's essentially just blank warehouse space, and he's transformed it into a one of a kind tattoo studio and art gallery, and so it's it's a huge place, and it's essentially him, and he has a couple of other people that that do tattoos there as well um, that guest, and um, they also do um, 
cosmetic tattooing. Um, so definitely check it out. Go to their Instagram at uh, Conan Lee. Uh, it's C O N A N L E A. Or go to their website. It's volutatattoo.com. That's V O L U T A tattoo, T A T T O O dot com to check out some of the work. You know, if you're interested in tattooing, maybe set up an appointment to come back to Indianapolis and get some cool work done. Um, because it's really, in my experience with tattoos, it's really a step above. It's uh, definitely a fine art tattooing. So, all that aside, and go ahead, Bob. Do you know? Do you know if Conan is into branding? And Conan, if you hear this, and you can hear this, if you can make utility muffin brand, <laughs> and I show up. I'll be honored to be the first branding that you do <laughs> I, out of that tattoo shop. I, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I don't know what kind of um, like body modification that they do, but um, I, yeah, I don't know. That might be something if he's there, you can talk to him personally and ask, but um, no, I, uh, I, I'm not sure. But anyways, cool place. Awesome meetup. Come and hang out with me and Bob chat with us, whatever. Um, but uh, make sure if you're coming and you're interested in the giveaway, be there before three o'clock. Um, that's when our contest is going to start because um, we want to be prompt, right? It's, it's during Gen Con. So we know people are going to have events. They're going to have places they want to get back to us included. So we, you know, you don't have to be there promptly at two. But if you are interested in the giveaway, if you're interested in the contest, be there no later than three so we can get you in and get that taken care of and get you guys back into gaming by four o'clock. Hope to see you there. Cool. So all of that stuff out of the way. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We have had a ton of questions and a ton of comments um, that I think are somewhat relevant to this review, but also we've had some that are they're not super relevant because we're not white wolf. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, um, but so first thing I'm going to do is, uh, in the tradition of the 25 years of vampire, the masquerade, we've got a ton of comments and I'm just going to go through one here real quick, Bob, and then I'm going to toss it to you and you can go through some of these questions with me if you want. Um, so the oh, first comment, uh, the first comment we got from a listener the other day, um, he calls himself mud. And it's a really cool letter. Uh, He says, I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time now, and I just want to say thank you. I've been role-playing my whole life, and I grew up with a dad who had been a dungeon master since 75. Uh, As I grew up, I became well acquainted with with this world, and when I was a teenager, I decided I didn't want I didn't want to do Tolkien medieval fantasy. I rebooted and someone showed me a green book with a rose, uh, a goth, and in the 90s. And suddenly both worlds combined and I was hooked. I was I delved as much as I could. None of my friends knew the world, so I taught them, and I had been storytelling for about 18-plus years. I was always nervous about talking about it with people at conventions, afraid maybe I took the game too seriously, or I was doing everything wrong. Then I found your podcast, and yes, some things differed, but in all honesty, it cemented more that I had been playing this game right for years, and suddenly, two people agreed with me vicariously. My troop has been disbanded over the years, and the current group I have is more of a beer and pizza, jack and slash D&D group. So I've been itching to play again, uh, especially with all of this new V5 info coming out. I've been listening to both 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade and Nerd Words, and it was your stories and discussions of LARP that got me into an email correspondence with a storyteller of a local LARP group. Um, and I should be starting my first LARP, sometime, something I've been interested in for a while, in a month. 
I'm very nervous and I don't know if you'd have any advice for me. So I, it would gladly be appreciated. If not, uh, it wasn't my attention of this email. No worries. We're definitely here for that kind of help. Uh, of course. What I really wanted to say in all this is not only that you've made some of the best content in podcasts uh, for this strange game of vampires, but you have a dedicated fan till the end. Thank you for everything you've done. Both podcasts are equally entertaining and informative, and you've made my games better, uh, but have given me a right place to start to engage more in this hobby. Thank you, Nate and Bob. So You're welcome. Wow. Absolutely. Right. So that letter is is awesome. Um so real quick before we get into some of these questions that are specific to the V5 review um let's let's just give one piece of advice each for getting started in LARP. Cool? Yeah, sounds right. great. I'm going to throw it right into your lap, Bob, with no uh you know, no no preparation. Let's give Mud one piece of advice. The one piece of advice I would give is to keep an open mind. Uh, no, no doubt you've played for a random game for 18 years. You know about reading the rules, builds confidence, it helps you out. And so that advice is not even needed. But what I will say is when you go there, be aware that you're stepping into another troop's idea of how vampire should be ran as a LARP. And in doing that, don't don't come come with an empty cup. Know the game, have a concept in mind, but be prepared for house rules and whatnot. And be comfortable with, with working around them to do as best you can to build that storyteller relationship. Uh, that you that you have at that LARP because that is what it will keep you and that's how it's going to be fun. Right. So um, I, similar, um, I would say, and this goes for any game you sit down at. The rules are secondary to the experience, to um, you know the thematic elements of what vampire is, and every person interprets them differently, or processes them differently, or presents them differently. And definitely bear that in mind when you go to a LARP, but also realize, and I think this is the most important thing for a new LARPer, uh, you're going to a LARP, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, let's be frank here. It's cool for us, but universally, those that are not LARPers, those who have not LARPed, are going to look at it as if it's weird and different and dorky. And that's okay. Our Our hobby is something that brings us joy. And... The fact that, for me at least, the fact that it makes me a little bit nerdy or dorky or people might go, oh, really, you do that? I don't care. I'm here to have fun, and this is what brings me fun. So bear that in mind. We're all at a LARP. <laughs> We're all pretending to be vampires in real life. So, you know, don't don't take it too seriously in the sense that don't feel like there's some level of intimidation that you should experience. All of these people, everybody that's playing – in most circumstances, 99 out of 100 are friendly people. They like new people to come. They want more people to play. So, yeah, it's going to seem a little intimidating until you get into the role and you realize we're all just pretending. So, you know, that's it. All right. Uh, last question. I'm sorry. This one I forgot about. It's a uh, it's a little nonspecific, but it kind of is. And it's something that's been brought to my attention a couple of times, Bob. Uh, gentlemen. I've been loving 25 years for quite some time now, and I was wondering what your stance on guests would be. I've been, uh, I have a YouTube channel where I've made my love of Vampire the Masquerade known on more than one occasion and would love to help out if you ever talked about Bloodlines or We Eat Blood or, and All Our Friends Are Dead. Um, so what is, our, what is our stance on guests, Bob? 
<laughs> well, our stance on guests. I mean, listening to the to the podcast, we have we, we on, on on here specifically. Normally, we keep it to a review, right? And then and then we go from there. And I've always uh, thought of it. Nate, correct me otherwise. Is that the reason why? Is because the content of trust, right? Right. We know we've read all this material. We know we've reviewed it. We do. We don't have to chase right. one another. We know we're on the ball. We have an understanding of it, and there's a level of professionalism that we're we're held to in regards of being consistent and delivering quality content. Right. Um, a lot of people have asked to be on the show, have asked to be guests, have asked to be here, and honestly, that comes down to um, specific circumstances. For instance, we had a uh, with the night in question, right? Right. But that specifically relates to the vampire content that was helping them get that word out for something that's really yeah. going to be good uh, and enjoyable for people going to it. Yeah. And so that's a special circumstance. It's not necessarily um, – it's, it's, it's something I think we would have to really do a hard look at, um, at at a point and just see if we really want to open it up to that. Because normally we have people on nerd words. Right, right. And, and nerd words has been where we have the guests in because that's more free flowing. We people are more comfortable because it's laid back. They could say what they want, and you know that's and, and they'll be heard. And even there, we can still discuss bloodlines and what have you and everything else under the sun right. uh, that comes up there, which is my take on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, um, so our, my perspective on on this, and um, I guess just the way that this podcast kind of organically developed was that you know. Bob and I, we do reviews about books, right? We have very, very strict kind of, we do uh, a book a week and um, we go down the line until we hit the end. And it's just the dynamic is Bob and I. However, we are lucky enough to have two podcasts and technically we could have 20 podcasts if we wanted to. So we definitely will have people on to talk about whatever you know system that they have uh, or whatever game or whatever kind of thing that they're promoting. But usually we, we tend to do it on nerd words. However, um, you know, if we had like access to like a gentleman gamer or a Jason Carl, I would not uh, disqualify that as potentially being at all a, 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 on this podcast. But as far as like, assisting us in the reviews it's pretty much the bob and nate show like you know sorry however if you are a creator and you have a podcast and you'd like to you know be interviewed or interview us or whatever or collaborate we might be able to go all right let's do a 25 years podcast about this specifically right so what i'm saying is we pretty much do book reviews but we'll make one-offs night in question matt webb like those are things we'll we'll do a one-off for um, but as far as like the reviewing part is concerned, that's Bob and me. That's just what it is. That's so, the flow. That's that's how the setup is. So, and, uh, Phil Keeling, hopefully that answered your question because <laughs> I didn't want to uh, ans- ans- answer your question without giving you credit for asking it. Now, let's get down to the massive freaking list. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably laughing because it is massive. It's awesome. It's a good sign. What we're going to try to do is we're going to try to organically answer these questions. I'm not going to go step by step and answer each one as they were asked. But the fact that these are questions that you have, I think are good for the podcast and good for us in the process of our review. And just so you're aware, as I said before, this is going to be a deep dive, right? We're not just going to be like in and it's a great podcast or it's a great book. It's a bad book and and move on. We're going to go step by step. We're not going to read this book for you. That's important. We're not going to read this book for you. 
that's your job. However, we will talk about what we see, give our opinions on it, and give a you know an honest review. So, all right. Do you want to read some of these questions, Bob? Yeah, this is a this is an expansive list, but I mean, we hope it you understand our our take on this too, uh, because it's it's going to be answered in the review at least uh, to give you a great idea towards it. Uh, like number one, how often is feeding going to be an ongoing issue? Some of the office seem to give the impression that we can expect feeding scenes for each player multiple times during a night of gaming, which could get to be a bit much for groups in time. Number two, how was Gen- how was Gehenna handled officially? Was it rolled back, ignored, and what is the, the jihad war all about? Can I just uh, jump in here real quick and, and make a mention of something? Yep. Uh, I think most of this stuff, as far as like meta plot is concerned, um, was uh, to a major, major degree, it was answered in Beckett's Jihad uh, diary. So um, sure. it, it's essentially it, that that book will cover most of that. And then this is kind of like an extrapolation on where that ended up. Would, would that be a correct way of assessing that? A hundred percent. I mean, I think this is the this is the part that Becca Shahad didn't mention, right? Right. right. And it, it fills in the gaps, and that's it. Sort of paints the the rules, the crunch, right? If, if you if you will to a, forgive the term uh, of what Becca Shahad was built on, right? Uh, how quickly does hunger dice add up? Um, I've, I I'll answer this real quick. I feel like it would add up in the same f- rate that it would add up in a normal, but in a previous version, like how often do you use your disciplines? How often do you, um, you know, try to feign, uh, you know, the activities of a mortal, you know, how often do you feed, you know? So I, I don't think that the change in the rules with like hunger dice, I don't think that that's really any different than, um, having a, uh, a, a blood pool per se, except, it's now more integrated role play wise. To uh, me, the very question asked is, you know, because we because you don't know this way it's the question, right. but it's it's very mechanical, and you're going to learn that there's a very free flowing way that they do it. And right. it's, it, I, in my opinion, it's the greatest thing that's happened. So, um, hold hold that thought. Right? Do they update how elder abilities function? We're going to skip right over this because we'll talk about that as we do the review. Um, says, uh, I'm sure that the review will go over the new Inquisition in great detail, and I have many questions about them that I'm positive your review will address naturally, but the, is there any sense of the true faith-endowed folks in their ranks, or are these hunters still a separate loner faction? You're right. We will get to that in the review. Yep. Uh, how is being lost to the beast handled? That, that's that, there, too. That hasn't changed. <laughs> I mean, that that's one of those, that's an easy question. Um, once you're lost, you're lost. That that hasn't changed. Do and it's and by that definition, wassail right. is what we're you, assuming. You become you a white. Right. That's right. wassail. Uh, do paths make a return? How is the transition handled? Do virtues make a return? We'll, we'll handle all that organically. Uh, what lore sheets are included in each of the books? Well, we're only getting one book right now, so we can only talk about the ones that are included in that, but there's a selection. Uh, and it's a very extensive one. Right. How does combat flow? Is the mechanics a refinement of the system in Requiem, uh, or is it a refinement of the older Masquerade rules? Uh, this, I feel we can answer now because we're not going to get into in the review, right? Uh, because that would be reading verbatim out of the book. Right. What I could tell you is, is that the system of Requiem does have, does have a hold in this system, but not to the way you think. It's, the system is designed to be quick, 
streamlined and can be as complex and dice intensive as you want it to be. If right. that's what you right. if that's the way you want to run it, and that's the current V twenty way. Right. If you want it to be more to a storytelling method, they actually make it to where it's really simple for that. If you want a more requiem intensive mix of the two, if you will, you can still do that, and that's that's right. there. In a way, it seems like I'm not answering your question, but trust me, they thought of in my opinion, every angle. I can say from my perspective, the combat system, I don't, I'm not familiar with Requiem system to a degree where I can comment on it and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Cause I don't like I've played Requiem a couple of times. I don't really know their, their process. What's, what's funny is you know it. And I'll tell you why, because you read it out of this book too. Right. And what it is, is the base system, you right. roll D tens and then it's like eight, nine or 10 is the success. Right. And then there's the 10 again rules and nine again rules and the eight again rules mean they explode. Right. Anything below that eight, is a failure. Right. Well, in this one, as you know, it's six and above is a success. Right. And, you know, we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll there, get, there's we'll a get unique to... way to do the system, but it's going to take longer. It's, it would be a waste to mention it now because, again, we want you to read that in the book because I feel it would just confuse you. Right. It's, it's in all honesty, everything is laid out in a very easy to understand way. However, one thing I do want to address real quick, and we're going to get deeper into this as we go further into the review. This system is designed it to when when I say play it right, I don't mean there's a right and a wrong way, but the way that it's presented, it's presented in such a way that combat and dice rolling should not be your focus, unless it's what you want your game to be the focus on. However, it's presented in a way that you can very quickly and easily extract yourself from extensive combat scenes, right? And still have an impactful, meaningful combat right. scene. Uh, next question, is soak still a thing? If so, how do they handle it? Again, this is kind of like minutia as far as rules are concerned, and that's something that um, you know, you'll get into uh, as you read the book, and, and we'll, we'll briefly mention it. Uh, were there any truly draw-dropping shockers, lore-wise, that you were not expecting? Uh, no spoilers if there were, just hoping for some true game changers in the book that have not been leaked. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like there were a couple of things where I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> just blown away. Just, right. Oh, that's how that's done. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how was blood magic addressed? In a very different way. Again, we'll get into it. Uh, it is It is drastically different. And one thing that I want to address, I feel like this is the very first thing that should be said about this. This is not an adjustment of V20. This no. is this is a redesigned system from you know the ground up maybe with influences from other systems. However, got you. what this game is is it's a game where you know the setting, you know the clans, you know the the villains involved. However, 20 years have passed, right? You know, close to 20 years have passed. And this is the summation of that passing. Uh, and, and what I'll say mm -hmm. to make this even easier, and let me know if I'm in the ballpark of what, yeah. you, what you're driving. Uh, the fact is, is that when you have a different, when you have a different book of, of the same material, you know, relating, and this right. does relate, right? The stories relate. The, to have a different version is to have a true different version. Right. There has to be enough of a change to justify the need for the product. Right. And they hit that mark a hundred percent. So and it's and it's and then that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, I would say um, it is different than V twenty in a number of ways. To me, V twenty was not a true revision. It was not a true update to the system because there were some very small sort of adjustments, some little ticks and tweaks. But essentially, it was exactly the same systematically as revised. 
it, there wasn't any real variant from the system that people learned and revised. It was, here's all the stuff that we could fit in one book. And I'm not going to crap on that. To me, the fans right. demanded it and they brought it back and that's how it was presented. However, this is not that. This is a different system and things are done in a diametrically different way that are familiar enough that from a nostalgia perspective, you can go, I know this world. I know this game. I know this system. Um, how do they address mental illness angle of Malkavians? Um, I mean, it's still the same clan. So it's, it's still the same clan. Again, there are differences, which of course we'll get into, but they're less difficult to understand the, the style they want you to role play. Right. And and that much I'll say. They're pretty much on the nose with what they're going for, but they also give you the same leeway White Wolf always gives you. It's your choice. There is the golden rule, and you do you. Yep. You know, in fact, this book points out that none of the older material is discounted. Right. You know, if you choose to use it, it's very compatible. And uh, so that's that's yeah. that's on you and yep. your troop. Yep. Um how is willpower addressed? Is it still a mechanic that can buy successes? Uh willpower is addressed awesomely. Oh, the best. It's it's amazing. I think it's way more important and better than it's ever been in any version of this game. Um, how does generation work? It works the same but different. And I know that's very vague, <laughs> but... but it, We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to we'll it. Get to it. Um, for that matter, how are they handling backgrounds? In a very similar but different way. Uh, are merits and flaws still a thing? More so than they were in any version before. Um, they're imperative to the creation of your character. And then I have a couple of other ones. I just want to give a shout out. Um, actually before I move forward, Daniel, Daniel W sent us that list of questions. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Daniel. <laughs> it's, it's been an immense help because it, it helps us to look for like, you know, as players, we want to, we want to enjoy this game, but as reviewers, we want to look for those little things so that, you know, we can address them. Um, Steph sends us a question. He says, I know White Wolf has said that there will be a Sabbat book coming down the line later on. Is there anything in the core giving hints as to their current status? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yes, there are. Um, all right. And then Black Harkness, Derek sent us a question. Um, he has just one. Can you give us a rundown of the new Rouse thing? The common concern is that players will frenzy for using the equivalent of heightened senses or command. While we know the disciplines have been changed and some different nuances, some uh, have some different nuances now. Can you give an example of the circumstances that would drive a character to hunger frenzy? Yes, yes. we can. Uh, and then last one um, from Joe Papa Swick. Can you cleanly explain the dirty success rule as it was called in the alpha test? It was essentially over succeeding in a case of just feeding and there'd be a mishap as I remember it. We can. I don't know how much of that we're going to get into because, again, I feel like we're here to review the book. We're not necessarily here to explain all the rules. Like we're not here to read the book to you. So everybody bear in mind, you're going to have questions. We may know the answers to them, <laughs> but uh, we, we do that rule. That rule is in there. I even know yeah. it off the top of my head, but like I said, once we open that door, then we got to go back through everything right. we said, we're going to get to the review. Right. So I would just like to get started talking about this review. Nate, yeah. I don't know about you. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, you know, not to meander a little bit more, but I feel like all of this is necessary for the people that are listening. This is a big deal. People want to know, you know, what are they going to look forward to? But anyways, fuck that. Let's get into the book. <laughs> 
Um, first thing. For, for the record, I do feel that those were relevant. I just cheated yes. and knew yeah. that was like the last comment. So we're good to go. Fair enough. All right. So let's get into it. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about the artwork, the cover artwork. Uh, what are your opinions on the cover artwork? Because I've heard a lot of like kind of smarmy snarky responses uh from the community about the the artwork it's not it's it's not the slate green book that everyone has on their shelves nor should it be no i i want to say that i was the biggest i looked at it uh initially i believe i saw the torador uh, example and i i hit it with, i was hit with initial shock because i'm used to seeing drawings that give away uh, a little subtlety, a little sensuality, and that's fine. And it was uh, that was acceptable to me to see that it was an actual photo done in a tasteful way, uh, but still pulled that off. I was like, man, and I'm trying to get out of the stereotype that Torto are all these super hot people, you know? Right. And that's what it hit me. And I said, you know what, though? It caught my attention. It speaks to a different style. It speaks to a different culture. And the rest of the artwork, when you get the full book and you start seeing it, you're like, that's that's what I was missing. Right. I was missing the total vision instead of just one picture. Right. And when you get the rest of them, I was like, oh, I'm in love with it. It uh, makes sense. Yeah. It fits. I feel like as far as the cover is concerned, the cover artwork, my depth of experience with White Wolf and photog- uh, photographic artwork, photography as a whole, uh, has been the um, – how do I say this without sounding like an asshole? Um the very amateurish pictures in the mind's eye theater books. Um, and for the time and probably for the money involved and like the community effort that was involved, they were fine, but they weren't really, they didn't seem professional. They seemed quite the opposite. Right. And what we're looking at here and I'll, you know, I'll debate right and left is we're looking at something that is meant to sort of embody a vampire in the 21st century, it is definitely it's the color is a concern. The palette is a concern. The the sensual uh, style of blood. And I, when I first saw this and I saw the preview, I the word that I used to describe the artwork was very creamy. It, it, it there's not a lot of jagged edge to it. And I think what I meant by that was it is it doesn't look contrived in a way that it was like they put great effort into creating this. It was like, these are the people, these are the the creatures that dwell in the night and this is the tale that they're going to tell. And this is the visual representation of that. Now that's and just, honestly, that, go, go ahead. Picture in the, that picture in the cover, it, it reminds me of uh, like, you know, granted this is even before reading it when I saw it, I was like, is this like an aura perception example? And I really feel it's uh, through a drunken red haze after a feeding. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? They they captured that, which is something you really couldn't do on a typical sketch. Right. Um, And now going through this and um, looking at the artwork, you know, we have we have the entry, right? We walk through the threshold into the door of kindred society in the 21st century in 2018. Right. And we have stories. We have um, tales being told by by separate individuals. We have that artwork again, where um, it's reminiscent of like what they did in a lot of the clan books in the early days where you have sort of artifacts. Like it's like, you're looking at the desk of, of a vampire or um, to use the parlance kindred or canite. Um, But we have new things, right? We have new artwork. And 
one of my biggest criticisms of the V20 was a lot of this type of artwork seemed like just shoddy. Didn't seem like there was a lot of effort involved. To me, when I look at this, it looks like real stuff. It doesn't look like a bunch of pieces of Photoshop stuck together. I agree. I mean, to me, if you like Beckett's Jihad Diary, and I loved it, yeah, um, that artwork's there, and I see that style here. Right. You know, it's there where it feels like you're holding in your hand what it is that you would be holding in your hand if you had that document. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, and again, it's just all these little artifacts um, from, I, you know, I don't want to ruin anything, but, you know, what what is, there's one common thing that we had in a lot of the different versions, and that's Dracula. And um, in, a, in a, some form or fashion, it's consistent here, right? It's not, I'm not going to spoil it because I want people to read this book. Um, but, uh, you, you get that. And then you have all these different artifacts. You have like a flyer for the succubus club. You have what appears to be a picture on an iPad of, of a female vampire. You have all these different little pieces, all these little artifacts from the world of darkness. You said the iPad, I was laughing. Cause that's, uh, I'm almost positive. That's, that's a picture. Nope. I won't ruin it. I know it is. I'll tell you offline. Keep it there. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's it's good though. And why? Here's why. Here's why I'm not ruining it because it's kind of fun, right? This book is also in a way nostalgic, right? Right, because it's coming back to what everyone loves. And the fact is, is that there are pictures that are going to call your call to memory, right? I'm seeing it, which is the point of photo, in my opinion. And that's uh, they capture that, and that's there. Right. Absolutely. Um, and we go we go a little bit deeper. So essentially, the first chapter. I, I um. I think we've we've said all that needs to be said about this first chapter, but these are all artifacts from the characters that dwell in the world of darkness. They talk about the different clans. They talk about, um, you know, kind of like what the world is now. So a lot of those questions about like, you know, canon and, and you know, what's going on with the Sabbat and where, you know, where is this? What's the story that we can tell here? We can tell a story very simply that the world has has dramatically changed since 2001, 2002. And it's changed um, definitely not for the better for the vampire, right? Would you, would you agree with that, Bob? I, a thousand percent. In fact, there's some, uh, there's some key things we have to, have to discuss uh, that's in here. One, I know a, lot of, I've, a ton of info people have been asking about demanding to see if it's even worthwhile to get the book based on you know directions gone and whatever do they hold to it. Right. Um, something that was given away in the, in the preview, we all know, was the talk of the second the second Inquisition. Right, right. That's mentioned, uh, but what wasn't mentioned was the just how deep that impact went. Right, and when you think of that impact, you got to think if there's a, if the first Inquisition was so damaging, you know, the burning times, that that whole thing. Then what does it mean when a second Inquisition comes on board in the modern days? Right. Yeah. Um, what I will say is I won't tell you how. Uh, but I will tell you that they've they've impacted uh, several big things, right. uh, such as right. um, I want to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm just going to give it away. I'm just going to say it, sure. take notes on it. Sure. We're going to talk about it. So first thing you have is that uh, in 2008, this group called First Light, which for one of the questions that was asked, uh, what First Light is, is they're a part of the overall Second Inquisition initiative. Uh, and what the Second Inquisition is, is that a group, they could think of all the dark, dirty spy espionage groups that every government has. Mm-hmm. Right. Figures out that there's there's another organization trying to step up to the table. Right. In nineteen so you, in 1994, 1995, we would have called them the Special Affairs Division. 
Right, and that's one of them. Right, right, because that's the American, but it's the right. NSA. And that, and, you know, at, at that time, it was like two guys. <laughs> right, know? but now you have uh, what is it? Was it NSA, CIA? You have uh, uh, SAD. You have uh, the Society of Leopold. Now you have the uh, the DGSC, France's uh, form of sort of like a special forces. You have MI6. These are deep seated espionage organizations that said, "Hang on a second, somebody's been fucking with us." And eating from our table, and we're just now finding about it. Right. And right. then they're like, we're not just finding about it. Did you, did you know they're immortal? And did you know they had a website? Right. <laughs> and so once that happened, it's all over, right? Right. Well, what do you think they did? Well, they did not go run and tell everybody in the world. No. That's what they didn't do. In fact, uh, they highlight very specifically that politicians were not told. They didn't tell anybody that can get in the way of their wrath. Right. That's the important thing, because those organizations like to believe they have control of the world because they control the information we have. And indeed, they do. And because of that, they specifically hunt vampires. And what this group first slide is, is that they recanonize uh, the, Inqu- the Society of Leopold. Right. Right. Which is collectively known as the Inquisition. And Vatican's like, you're back on board, for, you know, to contribute. And so they disclose the information about hunting vampires and they form a group called First Light to be a covert espionage thing because first lights a combination of special forces agencies, you know, the espionage people, uh, whatever you want to go with it. And then they combine these hunters, these specific true faith wielding gladius day type uh, to join in the mix to make sure that these hunts are successful. And what first light did is that their analysts cracked information and discovered the Shamir prime chantry in Vienna. Right. And what do you think they did? You want well, to tell them, Right. Um, I think it has something to do with drone strikes. Um, So, yeah, um, some of the information that um, came to light at the end of Beckett's Jihad Diary um, really, uh, it altered the Tremere beyond uh, anything that's happened in modern times. And then um, when the, uh, when, when the, the first light, when the, when the hunters, uh, if you will, realized when when they discovered the Chantry in, in Vienna, they were under the impression that's that's Vampire Central, and you know, the, and they essentially nuked it. Um, and I, I think that it's important to remember, like we live in a society that is very different than it was in two thousand in nineteen ninety nine. Um, the, the explosion of the information age, um, the 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 absolute like the things that we know about in the real world like spying from the NSA, like this, this constant, um, uh, government oversight of information from the internet, from all over the place. Like this is something that was inevitable. And instead of sort of brushing it to the side and ignoring it and in like pretending that somehow a worldwide conspiracy of vampires could continue unabated as it had in previous centuries was realistic. They said, no, (laughs) it's clearly not realistic. So now we exist in this very chaotic, very dangerous world where the hunters have become the hunted once again. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like at the background of this, that we, we, we walk into this world once again. And, and they have to, right? Because the point is here, if you're wondering how, why, ooh, ah, I think uh, the writers did a beautiful job in pointing out one thing. Man is always the worst. 
right? Collectively. Man does not like to lose control. Look at wars. The worst atrocities are done in war. They always have been. Right. And if, if they were to reveal the true scope, if they knew the true scope, actually, and they had to deploy you know, soldiers and what have you, it would be a catastrophe. And that's exactly what these governments and nations don't want, because you can destabilize a government, leave them vulnerable in the wake of such things. So, And, and, and they can't even believe that the vampires had a, even a shot at being at the table where they were. And that's the important thing to hammer home, which is another reason to keep a lid on Because when they hit Vienna, they do it as a surgical strike, and then right. they blame ISIS. Right. Because that's what the world would accept and the right. reason why they do it. And this is how they handle multiple things. For instance, they didn't just hit Vienna. And they highlight the fact that, you know, that can't be done. And just to impact the way they wrote this book, you know, that's in 2008 was first light. I uh, heard 2004 and in 2008 Vienna gets nailed. And uh, I sort of skipped around, but that's because I wanted to handle those two important points. 2006, the British anti-terrorist police behead Queen Anne. Right? right. That's a thing that was like, oh, okay, I didn't even think that was possible. Right. Right. In my head, Mithras dominated London. You weren't going to get a, a swing in. You just, it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. It happened. Right. 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 Because they, they don't mess around, you know, and they describe how these guys systematically go through London, these anti-terrorist guys street to street, and they're looking for what they call blank bodies. Right. This is what the organization calls vampires now because they don't appear on infrared right it's like a blotch that they have there instead of what it should be there right and because they don't believe in vampires well and also also yeah i mean it's 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 one of those things where it's like you know are they though like we're not we're not vampire hunters we're not hunting down like mythical creatures but we are right we're not the church but let's 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 not use that term <laughs> We're not the church, records, but uh, right. the right. society of Leopold is involved. Let's be real, right? right. So uh, it's it's like a clever elephant in the room that has to be there, but they're still going to do what they got to do, and that's right. and that's the point. And so there's there's a bunch, right? And uh, they highlight the power level of the Second Inquisition. They don't go through every single city of what could happen, uh, but what they do tell you is that a powerful force such as Francois Villon was forced into hiding. Right. Uh, the Giovanni family was not only uncovered because, and this is important, and I feel they did this, Nate. See if you agree with me that the reason why they did this, the Giovanni are notoriously, we got wraiths, we see everything coming, we know everything before it happens, and we got the spies to prove it. Um, they're the, the, the Giovanni family is not only uncovered; they described them as being sundered and forced back to Sicily. Right. Uh, I, I've always had a feeling about the Giovanni clan, uh, very specifically that they were a clan that was playing with fire they did not fully understand nor were they capable of really handling and um the truth has been shown here now i think it's important to note in this book um much as as you would have in early versions uh you know uh you know second edition revised um i believe revised uh this this only gives us the the base clans so right. you know your Bruja, your gangrel your tordor tremere malkavian nasratu there's no none of the sabat clans are in here uh, none of the the bloodlines or the non camarilla clans are in here so it's straightforward entry level into the world of darkness and i want to i want to present this this book my very initial impressions of it as i'm reading through it are very much this book was designed so that anybody 
who's new, who's never played this game before, can pick this up and very easily understand the concepts presented. It is easily. not it is not overly focused on you know all kinds of deep lore, but it does it does explain things that have happened, but it doesn't ramble on about it. It doesn't, you know, it's not, you don't have to be like, I've been playing vampire for, you know, 20 years and, and I pick it up and that's the only way I'll understand it. I think it's much more than that. I think it's presented, um, in a very obvious manner that we want new people to play. Uh, but no also exercise, right. But also no one's penalized, right. But if, if you're familiar with this, you're some things that in, inevitably you're going to read, are going to piss you off. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I didn't write the book. I don't care if it pisses you off. This is where the story is going. And everything here so far about the clans, about what's happened in the world makes sense to me. So soapbox over. And, Please continue, Bob. And and remember, the, the point is here to reinforce what Nate said. The I don't care comment is that's the UML stance because uh, we like it and we're fans right. and we're reviewing it. So, but that's our opinion. The golden rule still applies here, and that is why they state in this book that it's it's not you. You can still go back and add the material as you want to right. and play whatever different. If you can play Dark Ages and then switch to a modern game, right? You can play the really real modern game and switch to an earlier time, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so oh, forth. Yeah. That's still there. And and Those I'm gonna books are there for that. I'll tell you, you know, uh, full admission, we haven't gotten to yet, but there's definitely some stuff about this I don't care for. And if you're familiar with this podcast, as we go in on this review, you'll be able to pick those out <laughs> without right. much effort. Very, so, very true. So, yeah. Um, go ahead. Ex- explaining the Second Inquisition, uh, we have to throw the other side of the coin. Because we explained how a lot of you are going to think, and I know a lot of Tremere fans are like, oh, man, what does that mean for the Tremere? Um, I want to explain it. Because we, you know, I threw the hook out there. You're baiting. I don't want you flopping in the water too much. But understand, it means the Tremere got a fit foe. Mm-hmm. that's what it means right it means they're no longer uh controlled from on top and as the video that white wolf release showed you know the top of the pyramid gets done in but then you're left and you're more in control of what the Tremere could be right? right and so remember that focus don't look at what they took away look at what they're now capable of doing and that's the focus and keep I'll, that in mind I'll, I'll give you a, a little um i'll give you a little insight for me um I don't much care for, in previous incarnations, I haven't much cared for the Tremere. And the reason why I haven't much cared for the Tremere is I've felt that unless you build a very confined character who fits into this really simple, um, not simple, this really like small mold of what a Tremere is, that it, there's not a lot of room for creativity. And and I understand that there is, and people are probably like, hey, that's not right. But I I felt for me as a player, unless you're really super knowledgeable about the Tremere and the hierarchy of the Tremere and the pyramid and like all the details of, of what a Tremere is, you're going to have a bad time. Your storyteller is going to, you know, you're not going to be able to figure it out. But now I don't feel like that's an issue. I feel like right. organically, based on the stuff that's happened to the Tremere, I now have more creativity to play that a character in that clan. And, and what I feel on that is that that perspective is very much a LARP perspective because that's all you saw. That despite what was read, people right. played these climb the pyramid. They, paid the, they basically took the one template of the many, the dozens that White Wolf put out for the different flavors of Tremere, and that's the pyramid climber. And that's all everybody played. Right. And so it made them a very dry clan to experience. However, 
when you uh, saw the NPCs in other books as well, they seemed to be a type of pyramid climber as well. Right. So your inspirations were a bit dry as well. But now when they cut that top off, do you guys feel that? That that's opportunity. That's possibility. That's you getting involved and telling the story of the Tremere occultist that you have in mind. That would be whether it is a pyramid climber or a member of House Goratrix or or whatever direction you want to go to. You can be that. And that's that's freedom. That that's what you're given to be a force again. And that's awesome that they did that. So it's an example that a dramatic change can be for the good. And that's what that's all about. And okay. to finish that yeah. out. How does that affect the Camarilla, right? Well, as we know, the Camarilla screwed up, right? right. We knew that from the preview, right. right? And now in the review, we're telling you, yes, they, they did. Um, there was a, uh, a mistake that we'll let you read about. Um, and, <laughs> and for that, because it's kind of fun to read how advanced, that's why I don't want to ruin it. But uh, the fact is, is that what's the Camarilla like now? They got the Inquisition hunting. Is there a Camarilla anymore? Of course there is. Yeah. But the Camarilla had to do make some big changes. Number one, no more tech. No more tech for communication, that is. Right. No more cell phones, no more smartphones, no more no more emails, no more no more anything. And they had to get back to a standard form of communication that they do know. And that is actually use like they give some examples. And to me it's like an eyes wide shut society, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're sending pigeons again, because you're not gonna expect that, hunters. You know, <laughs> you know? Right. they'll uh they'll they're like dominating message in, to a mortal to not forget, to have them then go off and talk to a specific guy get the message, and then that guy will take care of the delivery right? and then move on. So it takes longer for them to communicate, but it's still there. But it's also going to change that society of the Camarilla. right? They give a beautiful picture of a very cultural porcelain mask on the face of a member of the Camarilla as they go back old school and then in some ways modernize to where if you are not the creme de la creme, if you thought they were elite before, they've shut the borders and threw the Anarchs out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just the Camarilla now. We right, we we've we've talked a lot about in the past how the the Anarchs were essentially just a subsect of the Camarilla. Well, no more. Um, <laughs> the, the Camarilla views them as a as a danger and an, a danger that they are unwilling to put up with. And there has been a massive Anarch revolution. And I want to take a brief moment here. Um, and just to talk about this, and this is maybe just something that's perceived, but to me, this is a strong nod to just going forward in this book, what, like 50 pages in, it's a strong nod to what this game I think was fundamentally at the beginning, right? It was a game of the Camarilla, the sort of establishment, the structure and then the Anarchs sort of working against them, right? We heard about the deep, dangerous mystery of the Sabbat that both sects feared and hated, but we didn't know anything about them. And what I read here, when I read the story of where the world is now, that's what I read. I read, it's a war against the Anarchs and the Camarilla, two opposing forces, one for the old ways, the establishment, this feudal system, and then these newly embraced these young youthful vampires who say i don't i don't need to be oppressed by you i'm not willing to lay down and and you know fall into the line of your oppressive way of being and then this the far off whisper of the dangers of a deadly sabbat that we know almost nothing about 
And that's the beautiful point. I know you're excited about that. I'm super excited about that. Uh, I know I'll mention them. I know I know our bud Steph is excited about that and seeing where it goes. Um, that's that's awesome that that's even going to be done. But what I especially like is that there's even a layer of occult mystery that's thrown into this too, mm-hmm. because the Camarilla could not be toppled by the Anarchs. Face right. facts. Right. Over the decades, if they could have been done, the Anarchs would have done it. They couldn't do it because power is power. If one elder equals 10 Anarchs, you can't make enough to overcome what they can do because at that point, they also had the mortals backing them. But those mortals are now on them, which weakens the Camarilla. You also have the fact that their elders, right, are experiencing a creepy call to the blood pulling them to the Middle East. Right. And that's and that's inevitable. So a lot of people ask what happened with the elders. This game, V5, is about the youth. Right. That's what it's about. That's their intended focus because the youth haven't been played a whole lot. Everyone right. focuses on uh, getting the top disciplines that spread to do the cool things that vampires traditionally could do. And I got to tell you, they fixed that. Right. But I also got to add that keep in mind, you, we did, they didn't forget about Gehenna or the Gehenna cults or, or that type of stuff. It's right. still there. Right. I, I think that's um, um, really important to mention that along uh, with this anarch revolution and the Camarilla sort of like back on its haunches, like in a defensive position and um, you know, the, the second inquisition essentially rolling through Sabat territory, like, come on guys, was it a mystery that this was going to happen? You flaunt a lack of regard for the masquerade and eventually really well armed, really intelligent hunters came and just torched you. Um, However, at the same time, those within the Sabbat, those uh, with real knowledge, real power, real desire to to destroy the Antediluvians, they packed up and they were like, let's go find them. Right. And before you think the Sabbat escaped, several, <laughs> several, their, their crusades, the, the back of their crusades was just broken right. right, on a lot of levels, you know, because what happened is they lost a lot of job out the bat. Yep. It's like right when this came about, Alanajab was the first to go, not the last. The baddest of the bad. The Karsh of the Sabbat, right. for all we know, that was the, Karsh. could be that the Karsh of, of the Camarilla, yet. too. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, he's it's done. Right. He's gone, which meant a massive blow to the Black Hand. We know how much of a right. setback that is. Then you had just Crusades. Uh, what is it? Cardinals. Right. Get wiped, too. They described them getting hit worse than the Camarilla did. And that's... That's telling of the tape, but why is that? Because the masquerade was what was keeping us safe. Right. Absolutely. Right? That was the point. Well, and, uh, you know, the, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, those that remained took a proactive stance. And uh, the question was asked, what happened with the Ravnos Antediluvian? Like, what happened with the Week of Nightmares? They definitely address that in here. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it, it still happened. Like that's still a thing. They haven't, they didn't wash it away. They didn't whitewash it. And so the Sabbat essentially decided, let's go and find those creatures that we're trying to kill instead of waiting idly by for them to wake up. And so there is a massive war and rumblings have been heard about it online for months. But, um, you know, this, this jihad war, this, this Gehenna war thing that's happening um, the, the, these elders of the Camarilla, elders of the spot, elders, wherever start to feel a pull to the middle East. They start to hear a call as the blood calls to them. And 
it's it's a little bit deeper. We'll definitely let you read because we don't want to give too much away. What the, what's the point of reading then? Um, but to me, it parts of it at first. How I how I sat down and looked at this book. I did it two different ways. The first way I did it from a fan who has a certain expectation of what the, should be presented. Right? Like we all do. Right? I'm going to read this. Oh, it doesn't make sense to me in my game. And I was like, there's nothing here that I can't, I can't jibe with. There's nothing here that I can't get, you know, get behind. And then I, I looked at it from a perspective of someone who wasn't super familiar with the game. And I was just like, well, this just seems like the world of vampires, right? Like, this is just what they do. It's not presented in a way that's like, you need to know all of this stuff beforehand, but it certainly helps. It certainly helps if you're up to date so that you can hopefully put this into your own game. What I will say to that is, uh, when I when I read this too and I saw these big changes, I was cheering. Oh, I wasn't cheering. Yeah, I wasn't cheering because I was right. I wasn't cheering because yes, my instincts are sound. It's because I've been saying for years, this is a game of personal horror. You know, uh, who who's that guy? Who's who's the who's the gray haired hobbit that wrote that great show, Game of Thrones? What's his name? Oh, George R R Martin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George R R Martin didn't write the book on on whacking people that you enjoy, right? You know, I'm a huge fan of Alana Jav. I love the Sabbat. I loved Queen Anne. You know, these people, a, a, a farewell and adieu to you. But because they're gone, that makes more interesting characters step up. Yeah. You know, they have excerpts of Tally the Hound. And I won't tell you how he fits in because I love the La Sombra and how this works. But it's in this book that gives you hints as to exactly what he's got going on. If you read Becca's Jihad Dyer, you kind of got an idea. But it goes right. a little more into that here, a little more concrete. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, man, that excitement I had when I first had my, as it was put, my green marbled goth rose covered book. And I opened it up for the first time. And I was like, man, what is this crazy wild stuff? It's back. Right. You know, right. I feel it's there again. And it's there that we can meet generations. Right. I think that's the important thing. As Nate has said repeatedly, this makes it to where I could sit down. And as long as you've read this one book, we have tons that we can discuss about you know 25 years of vampire the masquerade the v5 included right and that makes this book a slam dunk that's they did the right thing right this this book establishes after we get past like kind of the the where are we now it establishes kindred society it establishes all those familiar things that you know right the camarilla is not like an it's they haven't it hasn't become requiem right <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. the thing you know people will complain about but i think what this book is doing is it's establishing right off the bat that in a lot of ways this is a game about exploring evil it's about exploring the darker uh boundaries of our imagination and it's about atmosphere and what we're doing here with this book is we're creating an atmosphere right there aren't the old tim bradstreet ink and, and canvas you know it, it's it's not it's not that game anymore it is but this is a grown-up version of that game but and thank I, you tim bradstreet because i like your art. oh no and it's not not presented in a way to disrespect what that was it's it's presented in a way to bring 
that into the new era, the new culture, right? Like, there's not a lot of people hanging out in goth clubs in 2018. All right, fine, Nate. Tim Bradshaw, I only know your name because the artist I liked and loved, Nate, told me your name. <laughs> right. So, all right, to be fair, that's what it right. was. Right. Now, um, I will say, as a as a, a review, some of the artwork, not a big fan of. Just That's just a personal preference. Um, there's like a very specific, I don't know what artist it is, and I don't want to bash any specific artist. However, there seems to be one artist's artwork in this book where I'm like, don't like that. That doesn't work for me. The, the rest of it, though, the dark streets and the the f- hazy gas stations and and, you know, like those types of things, I really feel like they encapsulate what this game has always felt like to me. I always enjoy a picture that tells me exactly what I'm reading that goes inside that goes with what I'm checking out, you right. know. And I feel that a lot of I would say 98 percent. I am curious about the photo that you didn't enjoy or the art that you didn't enjoy. Uh, because um, it may be the same one that I wasn't a fan of either. But I, I will point out that uh, the Camarilla photo in here where it shows that it looks like elders had a feeding, like they had a meeting and fed. Right. And it wasn't a feeding that I think a lot of players have in your head when you go to a LARP or they even sit down a tabletop where you imagine your character is dressed up in their avatar suit. And they sat down and they had their fangs come out. And they sipped blood from cups that servants brought, and then they left. No. The picture shows that these people are dead. <laughs> that they were they were exsanguinated right you know they were fed upon and they're lying in the ground and the vampires look oh like stretching like it was a fantastic night of sex right like that's what they just went through but you know this was like a society meeting and that's why it was held in the opulence it was given and the and, and the drawing is nice it's it's excellent because what you read about the camarilla you then see it right so it's like this book the artist tried to capture that not it's like the writers and the artists married here you know Picture captures a thousand words, and an artist tries to paint a picture in your head with the words, and they both do it wonderfully. Right, right, and uh, even even down to like the redesigns of the clan symbols. Um, you know, I, I know we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but there is you know the classic section with the clans, and the clan symbols are what you're used to, but they're just slightly redesigned. And they go into something here in this in this version of the game in V5 um, in a later it, way later on down the road in the game. But they go into like, what do these symbols mean? Where do these symbols come from? Are they like an right. in-game thing? Yes, they go yes, into they all are. that. They go into the language of symbolism and how the masquerade works. And they, they dive so deeply into these things that, we all just kind of were like, ah, you, you, you see some graffiti and you recognize it, right? That's just kind of like how we rationalize things. And they go into greater detail to that. Um, they add something to add on that, that I, I'll help you guys envision this a little bit. It did for me. Often when you go into a city and you pass through, you see some graffiti, you're like, man, I expect it. Cognitive dissonance, right? Is the term. You just, whatever. And right. you move on. Someone's going to have to wash a wall, except, when you realize that historically uh, primitive man has used a type of graffiti, has used art to communicate uh, as a sign of culture, a sign of uh, intellect, right. you know, that it has that grown and prospered, you get an idea of communication. But I also want you to be very vampiric about this. Get your fangs out. And when you think about it, it's marking territory. It's telling you what clan holds sway here. It's telling you what elder in a smaller domain might have claimed an entire territory, and it's a warning. 
or it's a call to, to unity or that you're safe here or welcome. It communicates a message, but that same message for us to relate to in the real world, you get that when you pass into a gang's territory. Right. I know in Chicago, when I see a Latin King symbol, I, I damn well, I'm not <laughs> whistling Dixie when right. it starts getting dark right. around parts. You know, I know who old sway over these, these streets right here. Cause oh, yeah. they marked it everywhere. Or, or you don't, right? Like, I think, right. um, you know, I live in an area where um, it's kind of like um, there's a lot of uh, hippies, I guess you'd use the term, uh, that live in this area. A lot of, like, older hippies and, um, like, health food, uh, health conscious oriented people. Like, there's maybe some psychics in the neighborhood and, and some people that, like, work with stones. Like, that that kind of neighborhood, right? Um <laughs> It's so there's, cool. you know, it's, it's that, that's the kind of place, but there is graffiti everywhere. It's just, it's just everywhere. Uh, you know, and then, uh, from my trip to England, I could even tell you that they have graffiti everywhere done in a tasteful way to them. It's, it's all tasteful to me. It's right. art, but the way this is done, it's a consistent art that's throughout, like in their underpasses of bridges where people can walk. Right. And it's, it's a cultural thing. It's, they got, they sought permission, got permission and the crown granted it. Right. And because of that, it gives you an idea of the community. Well, yeah, that and cool things happen, right? I, I can tell you uh, as Nathan, I don't know who Dad L is, but I know he definitely has the run of the neighborhood, <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know who he is. I don't know what his tags mean, but man, if they're not in precarious positions, and we're um, slamming home communication. That's the whole point for the kindred. So, so too, man, as always, so the kindred emulate, right? Because they were once men. And that's probably a point that I love our version here. We got this groove going of perfect segues. They answer the question here definitively in print. A lot of people think, well, what's a vampire? Well, a vampire is a human that was cursed by God. Nah. A vampire is a haunted revenant that came back from the dead. That's not really. Um, In this book, it says it has a phrasing I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed, and I'm going to try to give it to you here, paraphrase. They tell you flat out, you are a monster. That's what a vampire is, wearing the skin of who it once was. That's what it is. Now, your goal is to not, your game here is not to lose yourself to the monster. Right. That's the goal, right? Even Sabat don't want to lose what they are to this monster because we were asked another question. What about those crazy blood points? Right. How many do you get? How many do you market? How do you do it? What's it known? And they came up with a system, and the system does multiple things here. Um, and we're going we're gonna to both take stabs here, and I guarantee it. But my run at it is that the system was designed to where the storyteller and the player get to breathe a breath of fresh air because you will constantly know and be aware of when you're hungry and what, what you can do right. still. Because the system goes as simple as this, and I'm going to be general because they have different semantical changes and whatnot in regards to how power is affected and whatnot. They have a term called rousing the beast. Now, what that means is normally you would spend a blood point to activate a discipline. Well, now, because it's only one through five, right? One means you could eat your rose for the night. Five means you're going to frenzy and probably slake your thirst, as they call it, which means you're going to sanguine in a mortal. mortal. Someone's going to die. Now, that one through five scale, how do we get to the five? How how does that increase the hunger? Well, um, when you rouse the beast, you roll a single die, right? One. And if you get a success... You haven't roused the beast. You're, you're fine. There's no, there's no gain of hunger dice. You're fine. However, if you fail, you gain a hunger dice. 
and thus you can only do that five times before trouble starts, and, and there you go. Right. But, but, but they have all sorts of systems and limiters and what that goes and how that is. But I want you to keep in mind, why did they do that? Well, they did it because nothing slows a scene down, right, or, or the activity of plot or what you want to do for a night's activities of game. When you look around the room and a player goes, oh, I just looked at my sheet, and out of the 15 blood I should have because I'm an 8th gen shield of the prince, I got two blood. Yeah, I only need have, to feed. Yeah, I only have two blood in my system. Can we, uh, can we stop off? I need to get some food real quick. And it makes sense. I mean, it's like a burden to the player because, you know, you play like once a week or once a month or whenever you meet up. Mm-hmm. And it's like I had, I had life to do. Right. I wasn't sitting here staring at my sheet and I forgot to send it to you. And, oh, man, can we work something out? And then a the storyteller's like, yeah, sure, man. Look, just uh, I drop a D10. That's how many blood you got. You had a good feeding. Yeah. And you move on because they want to tell a story. You want to play one. And so here they may end up with a system where it's like, oh, no, you're never going to forget that. No, and because you shouldn't. They, right. That, that, and that's the bottom line to me fundamentally as I'm reading through this book. What I'm getting from the change in the the blood system and how that works and the changes to willpower, the changes to the weaknesses of the clan, all of these things are designed to put focus back on the fact that you're playing a vampire. That you're playing a monster who is living sort of a cursed, very depressing existence and how you deal with that nightly or monthly or weekly or whatever it is that you run in your game. However, it's putting the focus back on what you're role playing, right? This, this is a very simple conversation to have. If you have been playing this game or really any White Wolf game as sort of like an urban fantasy, like I just run around Katana shit, that's not wrong, but that's not what was intended, right? That's right. that's not necessarily what we're trying to do with this game. When you sit down to play a game that's like a high fantasy game, you want epic adventure and sword fights and clashes and maybe even some politics, you know, some courtly, like I love Game of Thrones, right? But I don't give a rat's ass about high fantasy. There's something about that that appeals to me, but still maintains the consistency of the high, the, the fantasy genre. Same thing here with this game. It's just that when we make a system, we want the system, and I say we as if I had anything to do with it, but w- w- when, when, it's, when they make a system that is meant to be like a dark, personal horror, sort of romantic perspective in this dark, horrific world, they want the systems to gear you towards role play towards the act of having to feed and all all the blood stuff is like i don't know i'm gushing a little bit <laughs> you're, you're gushing because this book was meant for us right that's how i feel i really feel we always made the joke that it feels like since we started the podcast like there's small microphones listening to about our rants about marvel and in other movies and right, genres of horror because right. then we'll turn around and see a movie a week later getting released that fixes that issue yeah absolutely. you know what i mean is what we were realizing I feel this is the same way, that same love, you know? It was like, man, this this blood system, I'm watching my players get desensitized to having to feed and even worry about a style of feeding. Yeah. And oh my god, how did I forget about it? Well, so you want to talk about yeah. gushing. Yeah. So so real quick as a, like an aside, let's talk real quick about the gold game that I run for our Patreon. Um, we've done what, like four sessions? I've never had a feeding yep. scene. So even as a storyteller, 
like I'm missing the mark here, right? I'm, I'm, there's a whole thing I'm not including. I'm so focused on the runaround mystery of the story I'm trying to tell. I'm forgetting to frame that story within the confines of Vampire the Masquerade, right? And again, it's not that you can't do that. It's not that you have to do that. It's not that there's a right or a wrong, but you're missing a whole key element to the story that you're trying to tell because you're playing it in this system, but you're not following along with what the the system is intended to be. And this new blood system, I think really, uh, and, and again, this comes down to your storyteller, but I think that this system is designed so that you as a, as an individual character, you can have an understanding of what that hunger is of what that buzzing in your head, that urge, you know, I don't go four or five days without eating. Not at all. You know, and you can't. Right. And so feeding is definitely a focus, but they present it in such a way as they do with everything in this book. And I feel they do it expertly as to tell you, if you don't want to focus on this, there are other ways. There are easier ways so that it's not a major focus, you know, maybe, that's just not how you roll. That's cool. That's totally fine. So anyways, we'll get more into the feeding system later on when we start talking about rules. But let's get to the clans a little bit. And I and I, and I would, but I just want to, because, man, we often open up conversation to later parts. Yeah. And that's that's how conversation is, right? Yeah. Um. So I want to point out something. What me and Nate are talking about, we have advanced knowledge. So it may sound like we're a little tweaked because it's like we now have a book that backs what we've been preaching. Uh, in a lot of ways, but I want to point out they have something on here, right? Their character sheet, the first things in this character sheet tell the whole thing about how they fix this game. Number one are the Chronicle Tenants, right? Now, what the Chronicle Tenants are is is quite simply, it's it's what the, the troop agrees that they're willing to to deal with in-game. What themes, what what concepts, what difficult situations are allowed and permitted and what shouldn't be. These are all chronicle tenants that they could talk about. And the storyteller holds everyone to this criteria. It also has a benefit of letting you know, as a player, what concepts would be approved and wouldn't be approved. It's, it's that simple. And it's a section you could put it there and jot down notes and just, and just call it that. And that's just one taste, right? That's an example of how to do it. But why I mention it is because Nate, what he was talking about, hit, 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 hit a chord, you know, with me. And that is a lot of times we forget that it's a collective, Right, it's a storytelling game that doesn't mean the storyteller is the sole one in charge. It's the community right. that's in charge of this game because the storyteller has to hear the community to, to to deliver what they need. Much like White Wolf has to listen to the community to give us what we're looking for. Right, and when you do it, it's a beautiful thing. And now I return you to the clans. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, just to, to really quickly bounce off what you just said. There's some very small changes that I notice right away that absolutely coincide with what you're saying. One of the the small, little, almost uh, seemingly unnecessary changes is that as a storyteller, when I play a character, we all know that term to be a non-player character. NPC, right? Bob's NPCs, they do this. Nate's NPCs, they do that. Well... They don't call them that anymore. They call them uh, storyteller player characters, right? SPCs, which right. is hard Absolutely. for me to read. Right. Well, it's 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 hard. It's hard at first because you know we're we're relearning, but it's a very subtle change with a great deal of meaning because the concept of a non-player character means I, as a storyteller, I'm not a player, 
right? Those are just my characters and you guys are the players. But as a storyteller, I'm definitely a player too. I am invested in your fun. I am invested in this game. I, I have the duty of creating the environment that you experience, but I'm still a player, right? I'm not more important than you. And you had said this in a podcast and someone asked you, you said that the storyteller and the player are equal. They have equal footing, right? Do you remember the, the conversation that, oh, that absolutely. And, and you defended it and I absolutely agree with you. And I think that it's something that, that we were unintentionally spot on with. And I think that that's something that white wolf may not have overtly stated, but based on how they presented their language, that's what they're trying to emphasize that when you sit at the table, there is not one person who's more important or more special than anybody else, right? People, the people are more important than the game. And that's what everyone should understand when they sit down to play this game. As a storyteller, I'm just another player. I'm going to make mistakes, <laughs> right? <laughs> My characters are not better than yours. They're only, in, they're only there to enhance the full potential of the game. So, Soapbox done. It was a very important thing that this book, if there's nothing else you take away from, that's really how we should all be be looking at things. We're all in this together. So back to the clans. The clans are what they are, right? The We talked a little bit about the symbols being adjusted and, and some small alterations, and they're all cool. Um, can I talk about some of my favorites that are symbols yeah. that are changed? Um, Let's talk about your favorites. The Ventru. So you're, <laughs> we all know Whoa. we all know the Ventru clan, the scepter, right? You know, the 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 scepter of the kings. Um, but now I think it's a little bit more appropriate to what the clan is, and that's the scepter and the sword. And to me, that's freaking awesome. I love it. Oh yeah? Quiz time. Do you remember what it represents? Um, I mean to me it represents that, you know, the Ventru they have to lead, but also they might have to stand up and fuck some shit up. Now, that's a very Bruja perspective explaining what <laughs> it's it It's just means. a very Nate perspective. <laughs> For all you Blue Bloods out there, I'll help you. I mean, you're beneath Clan La Sombra, but I'll help you understand your new symbol. <laughs> what it represents is that the, uh, the sword now added to the element represents that they are now at war with the Second Inquisition. That's what it is. They're defending against that inside of their Camarilla, because the Camarilla is often looked at as the Ventru baby. And, and, and it is, Right. It's a conglomerate, but we all know who, who fielded that one, right? Yeah. And that's the, that's the idea behind it. And that's the principle. And why I like it, because it's like a subtle call to if the Venture are going to take up sword, then all in the Camarilla must participate to defend our ivory tower. Right. Now, let me ask you real quick, because um, uh, we, we really – oh, yeah, that's the other thing we should probably mention to people. We really haven't talked about this at all. Like we've, we've spent maybe five minutes since we read this book. Just being like, wasn't this cool? Yeah, this was cool. So we, we're we're basically exploring together for the first time. So let me ask you, Bob, what's your opinion about the um, the glamour shots, the the clan glamour shots, where there's like eight you know characters, four female, four male. I, I prefer to start at the beginning. Yep. Of course, mm-hmm. I believe it was uh, the War of eighteen twelve that gifted us with a high. Okay, no. So <laughs> what he's talking about is there's a section of kindred fashion, right? And kindred fashion is done well. First off, why I mention it, who I don't know the artist that did the photo for kindred fashion. It's my favorite in the book. I, I adore it, actually. It's this uh, 
I actually won't even ruin it because I, I'm one of those guys. I feel that that's a gift in the book they give to you. But what they explain about kindred fashion, plain and simple, is the fact that black is still the new black, right? <laughs> right. Meaning black <laughs> never runs out of style, in particular yeah. amongst the undead, because well, guess what? Yeah, black Blood hides blood. <laughs> right, right? And they're like, going, so, so you got to do it. Right. And, then they go, and then they go on. Like, I, I envision a Tordor... Um, it doesn't even have to be a tortor. Any any harpy worth their salt explaining to a neonate why fashion and clothes are the way they are. It isn't because they're an elite society. It feels to me that they break it down. This says, "Hey, Jack, you're a predator. Right. You are a predator. You're a monster amongst monsters. Right. And we got to wear clothes to blend in with the prey. All right. So yes, most of their clothes are black. We told you why. It's practical. But you can look good and be practical." Right. So you should go for it. But then adds that every clan also to blend in, especially now in modern times, especially the youth, uh, the anarchs in particular, they have a very unique way of hiding from the Inquisition. They have jobs. <laughs> right? right. They got to afford what they got going on. Right. Right. You know, and so to do that, you got to wear what's what's kind of in style. Right. This I understood it. And now that's the good. Right. And Nate, mm-hmm. you knew this is yeah, coming. Right. That's that's the good, but then I saw the um, the styles given, and I wish they stuck with live models or photos of it. The the glamour shots, why. yeah, and and this is why. Um, perhaps I might be showing my ignorance of uh, you're actually referring to the actual clan glamour shots, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, right, the, like the, the Bruja lady. No, no, I'm I'm literally referring to the the beginning, style? beginning of the clans right and they have like four female characters on top four male yes, characters good. on the bottom and they have them for every clan like kind of like an indication of like what the clan <laughs> should look like or you know examples of the the stereotype of what the clans look like i just referred to why i'm not a super art critic but i do know what you're talking about <laughs> right. um because the photos i enjoy for the clans themselves right but oh yeah those these, are those are badass yeah these right here yeah. Uh, that you're talking about. They, there's a game I played a long time ago, Cyberpunk 2049, I believe is the name. Um, I, I may get it wrong, but it, everyone knows Cyberpunk, where right, it was Cyberpunk. basically super futuristic, futuristic and stylistic, and that was part of it, to give it the attitude and the pop that they wanted to draw the crowd with, and then the technology that added that inhumanity and almost immortality to man. And I saw this, and I was like, man, I, I even went so far to pull the book off my shelf, to pull Shadows off their shelf. The photos are similar. Right, the glamour shots are very similar to what the artist said, which only tells me there's probably that that's the style. And and there's been that, kind of like there's been some similar ones in like other games too, like D and D kind of like had like uh, here's what an elf looks like, here's what a, a half elf, here's what an orc. Like yeah, their glamour shots are pretty consistent. But I don't know if this educates you, but I did a little research on textile design. They all do this. Textile design is about implementation. Right. It's thought becomes uh, a written idea, becomes a sketch, becomes this, and then becomes a blueprint that you for mass production or whatever. And because you got to give an idea of what it's going to look like, how it's going to wear. So I gave a little leeway of forgiveness. But why I said it didn't work for me, and I was like, it was kind of immersion breaking, is because I'd rather see the model in the clothing. Right. Yeah, like I they can did, get that. That's, in, that's impactful. Right. And then, but this was, you know, it's a kind of give an idea of designs because there are fans who listen we're very creative and incredibly good uh with building costumes and whatnot that maybe don't want to see somebody wearing what they might have thought of does that make sense yeah Mm -hmm. and so they give they give you hints and ideas and you know that's old bob being forgiving but that's the that that's also it wasn't my favorite i i will say um my perspective is i scroll down and i see these 
really cool looking glamour shots. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool, you know, to give people like a visual idea of what the Bruja are. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty spot on. Right. And I'm reading through and I keep going. And so, like, that's an exciting little thing for me. And then I get to the gang grow and, um, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, uh. so if I saw the women walking around downtown, like. Man, they look like a big-ass breach of the masquerade. Like, all of them just look fucking weird. And, to to but, me, they just look tribal. Right, but, like, not they don't, you know, the, the, the concept is fit in, right? The concept is, mm-hmm. is follow the masquerade. And I'm like, okay. And, like, the guys that are on here, I'm like, uh, you know, I've, I've hung out with each one of those guys. Like, it's, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I've seen everybody. I've seen somebody that dresses in one of those styles. Like, it's pretty typical of, like, most of your gangrel concepts at a LARP, right? And so then I get down to the Malkavians, and I'm like, uh, take it or leave it. I mean, I don't, you know, whatever. It's kind of like, meh, a little lukewarm reception. And then... I get to the Nosferatu. So, so I want to do an experiment with you. Yeah. Does that work? Mm-hmm. We got to the Nosferatu, and I want to try. You're looking at this. You're looking at the stills, right? Yeah. I'm looking at their monikers, okay? You tell me, yes or no, does anything match there that tells you this? Ready? Uh-huh. Horrors. Um, not really. The Clan of the Hidden. Uh, not really. Sewer Rats. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay, one of one of Lepers. them. Um, no, not really. Maybe, maybe one, maybe one or two look a little leperish. Hives. I mean, no. All right, all right. This one you might find carnies. Yeah, there's a carny in there potentially. Scabs. Mm, no. Yeah, what what these guys look like to me is these guys look like these characters here. Um, there's a, a Stephen King series called The Dark Tower, and in one of the books, the third book of The Dark Tower, there's a city called Lud, and in Lud, there's these like kind of like uh, they're they're I guess Luddites, um, but but these are these are like the people that occupy the city of Lud, right? Um, they're they don't. To me, this th- these are not Nosferatu at all. Like this, when I get down to Nosferatu, these glamour shots have completely missed the mark in every way. They're at best shabby. They're now, they're not Nosferatu. Now me. I got to back you up because you and I both got here and we we kind of riffed a little bit and uh, we're we're being we're being respectful and and saying our opinion without you know you don't have to be rude about it. Um, but I want to I want to point it out and back it up with something we both kind of agreed to that at its whole. And this is when it was raw. So I'm not filtering this. Uh, we looked at this and we said, well, the Nosferatu we're used to. Like if this is them with mask up trying to fit in, yeah. we hit the mark. Yeah. Right. We're good. But not all Nosferatu have mask. And if I were going to play a Nosferatu character, I get this is just to get an idea of what clothes to wear. Right. Um, why am I like the guy in the bottom left is wearing a mask that I'm positive we saw in the recent Mad Max. <laughs> right, right, right. Right? Right. Now, however, compare that to the passionate, passionate picture that they took of the guy faded in shadow that looks abnormal. Yeah. Looks strange and is like almost haunted 
with what he is strangely intelligent and strangely feral. Right. Like he, he, he just emits fear and, and curiosity and almost empathy in the same look that the artist captured beautifully that speaks to all the things right. that we know and love of Nosferatu. But, but hold on, because to bookend that, at the, at the end of the description, there's another picture of a Nosferatu looking into a mirror, right? And this is a photograph. And I'm yeah. like, the costuming, even though I don't, we don't see this, this character's face, we see it in a mirror. Like, to me, that embodied everything that I ever thought Nosferatu to be. The, the picture at the beginning, the picture at the end. Like super captured the essence, the glamour shots. I was like, nah, man, this doesn't even capture like the right world. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's fair. You know, definitely looks post-apocalyptic. Right. And then um, the Torador, I think is it's spot on. The Torador ones are fantastic. And right? my favorite is, of course, the photo I talked about earlier that I that it grew on me. You know, it, uh, it, it broke my inner snob. And that's, you know, sometimes a stereotype is good, right? Right. And that's, that's how you got to look at it. And, but if the Torador and the Bruja were a slam dunk, right? Right. Malkavians were, and as you said, Nasratu, we both agree we're off. Right. Um, here's the Tremere bothered me. <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm not saying I'm a super fan of Tremere, but I just, uh, one looks like they meant that to be a Bali wannabe. Oh, with like the devil and the tower. Right. She is she is the chains as is like a upside down pentagram. Right. And two places like obvious, like I'm so occult that I have to radiate Satanism on a level. And it's it's not that they said it's Satanism. I'm saying that's a style. I wanna I wanna defend that. Yeah. Why Wolf didn't say it, Bob Batten did. Right. Okay. Right. And I, and I'm saying she might be better elsewhere because I don't see that as being the ideal Tremere. Yeah. Um, but maybe a follower who gets it wrong, right? And uh, that's that. And then you have the one, what is it, a uh, second from the left in? Uh, uh-huh. it's, it's a belly dancer. Right. And I'm like, man, that, that was like a Ravno thing, yeah. or it could have been no, a seductress s- of a type, maybe. So only like five people are going to get this reference. But when I look at the Tremere character, uh, the little fashion splash page here, um, the one all the way to the right with the pentagram, like that looks like Warlock's Bride. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's just like that with the blade and everything like she definitely is a Tremere, but that's because a, a, a guy who doesn't really understand or appreciate what the Tremere actually are embraced her. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I would say definitely the Tremere is a little iffy for me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, well, and, and, by, and by iffy, um, we don't know what the artist intended. Right. With the photo, right? Because a picture can be interpreted in many different ways, and no doubt this was designed to be the same way. I got to say that. Right. Um, because I do feel that it, it's just that's that's the full picture, right? We don't know what was intended, and we're having a little fun with it. But that's our first impression. It's our honest right. impression we get it because it breaks the immersion of even what we read about Clan Tremere. Right. Like now, they just lost the heads of their clan, yet they can afford stylish wardrobe. Right. Like, you know, of a specific nature. <laughs> Right, like At, the guy at the bottom left is walking a runway. I mean, it's. I okay. mean, for sure, and and you know what? To some degree, he probably was drawn and painted to look as if he was run on a you know because these are these are glamour shots, right? These are right, for right. like the the intent of fashion. However, there's a lot of danglies. That's all I have to say. It's there's a lot of danglies here where I'm like, I don't you know my perception of what the Tremere are or have been 
doesn't match this. And that, that in, much I can say. In terms of fashion, I am a pig who enjoys all food <laughs> trying to describe to you the intricacies of chocolate. <laughs> I really don't know. I just know that right. it tastes really good. No. And I'll eat it or I won't. You know, that's, that's how it is. Can we, can we get to my favorite, favorite visual image? Images. There's, there's a set of them. Again, they bookend with these clans. Yes. And it's the goddamn Ventru. The Ventru. Oh, my God, is it good? So good. It's it is everything. When I look at this picture and I look at the picture of the the older woman at the end, yes, I'm just like that. It's I've never seen the vampires have always been presented as like I'm youthful and exuberant, and you know what? Who is in control? It's never the youth. It's never the young, and it's like. Do I like this because I can see the age of their bodies, or do I like the age of their bodies because I can see that they're ventru? Like it's just it's like it's so good and it's so out of left field. I wouldn't have expected to be like that's a ventru. Like I see it. I see the guy and 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 uh, the the older gentleman and then the 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 assistant, the, the boy. Slave. Right, the the blood slave that that you know he dispassionately is sitting next to. I was just like, that's that says everything. That's the entire clan right there. What you meant to say is that he dutifully serves to his last drop, and he's looking at us because we're next. Right, we didn't get an option. He's just selecting that. This is power. This is that. That is a captured image again. That's like, well, what else need to be said? Right. 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 And um, so then, then we go to the caitiff, you know, caitiff. They're, you know, they don't have a clan. It's they're the caitiff are not inherently different. How could they be? They don't, you know, they're not a clan, but they are a playable clan. Um. So yeah, not a lot to say about them. Um. However, I feel that the imagery that's associated with what we're reading about the caitiff, it works right. It, it gives me like a feeling of. Um, people living in, um, shitty basement apartments and, um, with too much dread sort of surrounding them and maybe like a hint of, of addiction and, and the fear and, and loathing that kind of goes with that. So I, the caitiff I get. The thin blood are awesome. That's your opinion. Right. I like, I like the thin blood. <laughs> I like the thin blood because they're taken. Uh, I didn't like them before. If you recall, mm-hmm. I just know like, yeah. I didn't care about yeah. it. This, you is know, where, I just wasn't... this is where I said, people that have listened to this podcast, they're going to know, but I right. want to hear your perspective. I, 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 so, I I'm, I'm very curious. My perspective of the thin blood is real simple. It's the fact that the curse of Cain is truly acknowledged. Right. And, and that is that eventually the blood plays out the blood thins so much that it's hard to discern between human and not. And that's that's a state of hell, right? It has to be for what goes on. But the blood is such a strong addiction, it's the new drug. Right. That that's how the human body's gonna see it. And I feel the image they have of the guy in the bed with the chain and whatnot trapped to it, he has no idea what world he stepped into. Right. Right. He's just caught up in the addiction of the blood. And when you read about the thin blood in the way they talk about him too, that's very much their society. They 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 believe they're still people. Right. You know, that there should be, you know, there should be a way to go about it. They haven't learned enough to get shit on. And those who have learned that they're getting pooped on, they also learn there's a way out. Right? They, they have that in there. You can de 
that's that's a thing. And now with the camera all the way it is, you know, you can get around to it and they give tons of content into that leeway for how the thin blood might be played. And their blood is malleable, is what it is. Like these guys are basically damn near ghouls. Right. By by what happens to yeah, them. And yeah, so that, essentially that but what's the draw there? Well, the draw there is that if you're on the cusp of being human and and yet not, right? You're stuck in a sort of a twilight existence, you also get to experience what it's like uh to to have to be that member in society who could still have that human element, that strong human element of role play, at least until enough <laughs> of the stains erode to humanity to where you're, you know, is what it is, or you commit that diop right. or whatever, whatever road gives you. And so to me, that's fine. Before when you had the thin bloods, they were like uh, herpes, <laughs> you know, they were, they were like an STD. We could just go get a shot and the scourge takes care of it. Now the scourge may still take care of it, but Jack, now it's not the elders telling you to wipe out the thin bloods. Now it's it's and that's the thing we didn't really talk about that. Right. But the culture now is the the young, the youth, the anarchs, and the ancilla. The ancilla are the new elders because the elders are going to Middle right, East, right? Right. And so the but what the ancilla did is what they always wanted to do. Well, the elders are gone. I'm just going to take up shop. Right. This I is, know how uh, to run this show. Yeah, for sure. This is um, that's one thing that I, I wasn't sure when I was going to jump in and kind of like mention that, but the way that this game is written and the way that the plot is unfolding and the way that this game is being presented, it is the first time that when people hated the fact that you have an elder, you have like this wall of elders and you'll never surpass them. You'll never be able to attain a certain position because if this game is run according to the way it's presented, the elders are like the defensive line that never go to the bench, right? They never, they never rest. They never retire. They never die of old age. They just live on in immortality. So you're essentially playing a game where unless you decide to play an elder or to play an Ancilla from character creation, you're basically just fetch and step for eternity. Well, because of how this plot has played out, this is the first time where all of those positions that you wanted, they're attainable. Everything that you wanted to do, you can do now within the confines of how the game is being presented. There isn't that defensive line of, of un- undefeatable elders standing in your way because elders are becoming a thing of the past. Can I, can I tell you why I like this Thin Blood picture and what it brought out in me? And really this picture did save a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it forced me to read to continue to know why to like them. Uh-huh. And it's going to be weird to you because I'm normally not a musically in- inclined instantly. Like I listen to music because it's recommended and then I find I like it. Not that, man, this popped in my head. Right. When I saw this picture, I thought, I really think what this guy's listening into his head is it's, it's the lyrics. I'm deaf, dumb, and dirty. Or no, I'm deaf, dumb, and 30 starting to deserve this leaning on my conscience wall. Blood is like wine unconscious all the time. If I had it all again, I'd change it all which we know is machine head, uh-huh. right? That's, those are the lyrics I thought of. When I looked at this, I was like, I can't think of a perfect lyric to describe what this guy looks like to me. You know, And I was like, if you had that opportunity to play this, what, what would that be like? What does it look like? And to understand that love, you have to understand what feeding is now. Right. Right? Like you said, feeding's everything. Right. Feeding's the only thing. And because of that, we have to understand the nature of a vampire is the predatory way that they do feed. And one thing they do very beautifully in this book is that not only do they give you the clan, used to be that you're a certain clan, you feed this way, right? 
that's that's the common that's like the only thing people had to relate to if i'm mm-hmm. it's probably violent right so i guess just whack them over the head and i have blood i'm right. a torter i slept with people we just stereotypes but here they're like nah put some thought into it because remember you're a monster wearing the skin of who you once were right because of that and how the in- intricate way you can build your and quick way you can build your concept now your character um how do you feed describe that predator in you and then they have a whole section of predator types you can pick that come equipped with feeding styles what you would use skill sets oh yeah um, ideas to help you think of it but more importantly than that they tie a very human or not a human a very important element to me that i've always felt should have been kept with vampire it's almost a common element theme when you see every horror film that has vampires in it or you read about feeding to a vampire in a book they have this ecstatic place they go to in their mind where their brain's just all light with who knows what, like a great secret, and you don't know what it is. And so they here seek to define it. It's like it could be a rush of memories of who you're feeding on, a resonance that sits inside the, the mortal's body. Mm-hmm. And it could be something that calls to, the, to the, the blood itself, calls to the vampire certain abilities, certain emotions. Right. You know? And they tie something very important. Remember, subtlety. Like just like NPC is now a storyteller player character, they tie here to say that what you feed on is what you can learn in discipline. Right. Right. So and and they have many different types in here, too many to go over, yeah, like yeah. in detail. But one of the ones that um I'm gonna paraphrase here because I didn't memorize the chart, but off the top of my head, because it relates to this guy, you know, this dude laying back, enjoying the high of a feeding, which is what it looks like, he probably feeds on someone that is sanguine, as they call it. These are people who are lustful. You're you're talking about the humors. Right. The humors that the, that the mortal has as they relate to it. But uh, it's, it's also a resonance you get from it. Right. Right. They describe that term and in simple layman terms until people can define it and read it in front of them. I get that some people have to read it and see it or have to read it to inherit. it. Um, Just know this, that when you feed an immortal, how that mortal lives and who they are and what they are, you take into you and you make it a part of you. That's the monster in you. Right. It feeds on the prey it prefers, and thus it learns to feed on that prey continuously. Right. It adapts to feed on them better. Right. I, I think that that was one of the big concerns that a lot of players, you know, they saw like this new system and they're like, oh, well, you know, blood. We all get used to this concept of, of sort of arbitrarily feeding, right? Blood is like, we need to go to the diner and we need to get moons over Miami. Because if we don't, you know, we'll run out of energy. That's not what this is, right? And that's yeah. that's that's the major thing is that this is a focus because every every time you feed, there's a potential for story, right? You could wax over it, that's fine. But every single time, the person's life, the 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 things that have happened to them, the trials and tribulations, the illnesses, the all of those things can factor in and every one of those can be a story element, right? This is designed, this game is written and presented in a way that everything that you do is designed to stir creativity in you and change your story or or don't, right? Do what you've been doing, but add these new, really cool, really interesting and dynamic things that are vampire-specific to your game. Um, I always think when I storytell, and I know you do too, yep. grow what you show. Right. Right. Grow what you show. If if tonight I, I, I did a feeding scene and it was very standard, very vanilla, then the next game session, I'm going to push beyond that boundary. Right. And, and I'm going to work with the player to, to – because it's a, it's a team effort. 
to work to portray the monster we collectively made and agreed would be in this game and to keep going from there. Right. And, I, and I normally abuse that term monster, but now I feel even more justified because it's in print. But that's the, <laughs> that's the element to go for. Right. And uh, that's it. And uh, we quickly went over the feeding system. But when you read it, just remember my excitement. I'm sorry I'm so passionate about it because it's something I've been, I've been wanting. I can't tell you how many feeding scenes I've ran on my own where I described the depth of blood that of a mortal you're feeding on, the life they could have had, right. who they are, what they are, and how it affects you, because it's calling to the memories of the beast. Right. And here it is in print. And it just makes that beautiful to me. Right. It, it's, it's a synergy. Well, let's say real quick, Bob, and um, again, we'll get to this as we go through the book, but let's just say that um, like that's something that you really want to do as a storyteller, but you don't know whether or not your players are interested in that. You don't know if that's acceptable for them to explore. Now there's a way at the beginning of the game where you can go, these are the things that we're going to explore, right? It's, they made it a stat on your sheet, right? Right. So it's like, these are things that we will never do. These are agreements that we've made. And that's what I think everybody, and we'll get back to why I hate the thin blood um, in a second, <laughs> but um, all, all that aside, these are things that all, all of the things that people never talked about before they sat down to get into a game. Now they're built into the system there. This is a game that's designed from inception to play for, for as long as you play this game, there are things that you've agreed upon. There are things that you're willing to explore or things that you're not willing to explore or things that you've decided collectively at the table. You're not going to go here. These are things you're not going to do, right? How many times have you sat down at a table or went to a LARP and there was one guy who was just way off into left field and he's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to break into this, this baby, uh, you know, this hospital and I'm going to, I'm going to kill all these people. And you're like, what the hell is going on in this game? And, <laughs> right. and it's not, it's not anybody's fault, but no one agreed to tell you when you started that there was going to be like sabat raids in the hospital. And you're like, I'm offended by this. There's nothing wrong with being offended, right? We're all here to have fun. And if you're offended, you're not having a good time. You're not. Or how many times have you as a storyteller or player heard this term? Oh man, all that stuff that's going on. I didn't, I didn't build a combat character or I didn't build a political character. Right. You know, you're, you're left out. I mean, that literally that tones like, man, they didn't even know what game they were getting into. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, you now know? now it's all it's all together and we'll get into that. I actually have notes like I have 10 pages of notes, two of which are on character creation alone. And if you can't tell, <laughs> no note survives Nate and Bob. <laughs> right, we right, go everywhere. Right, we go right, everywhere. Right. We get into this. Right. You're going to hear it. We're, we're, we're trying to uh, maintain a, 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 a structure of some a sort. Path. But hey, you know what? You knew what you were signing up for. <laughs> <laughs> let's drive this bus back though right i i passionately describe why i like thin blood um why don't you like thin blood um i don't like them for the same reason that i didn't like them in time of thin blood um however i feel like they didn't it wasn't a stretch for them to reinclude them however the main reason why i do not like them is for uh thin blood alchemy uh i feel like more than anything else in this entire book this doesn't fit it doesn't make any sense it's if they had called it hold on let me consult my notes for a more reasoned debate um because i i went in i was like this get in this stuff doesn't um yeah so um let's see here okay if 
they had even called it thin blood chemistry, it would make more sense, right? What are the thin bloods? The thin bloods are people today who were embraced today who are for all for most circumstances they're in tune with the modern society thin blood alchemy on the other hand is full of these very archaic concepts and like bob as a person erase vampire the masquerade from your understanding erase fantasy gaming for your understanding what the fuck do you know about alchemy you don't know shit about alchemy. You don't know shit about the terms of alchemy. I'm not even going to let I, you answer. I know the law of equivalent exchange. Right. But what you don't know is you don't know shit about alchemy because you are an adult in the modern world. <laughs> and alchemy <laughs> is bullshit. It's hooey. It doesn't exist. So then why do these people who are embraced today, who are... Full metal alchemist. Right. <laughs> who, who, are, <laughs> who are embraced today, who have to deal with concepts that are consistent with the modern era that aren't magical. What, what the hell do they know about alchemy? What do they know about turning lead into gold or, you know, the, the, the rate of exchange, etc. Now, hold on, hold on. Let us take a moment. And with the magic of editing, mm -hmm. uh, let's, let's do a dive, man. Let's not, let's not unjust. It's off the top of our head. Did, mm -hmm. Is there anything in here we read that explains how the hell a thin blood came up with the idea of the, of the alchemy? I don't Did know. Did you see that anywhere? I don't recall reading that. I just recall okay. it being presented to me as a, as that the the thin bloods developed uh, a system called thin blood alchemy. But then, like that in and of itself, that's not a concern to me. Like, okay, they call it alchemy. I don't give a shit. But then, when they actually describe thin blood alchemy and they're talking about what it is and they're they're using terms, that's where I was now, like, okay, you lost me. So. So let's 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 bank on this, right? Mm -hmm. Because I will agree with you something that was alarming mm -hmm. and that I didn't like. I didn't mind Thin Blood Alchemy, but I was looking in here, and it's possible I missed it. You and I went through a jam cram session uh, over the over the last uh, week, mm -hmm. just trying to get all this in digested and well enough to understand it and use it. So, uh, but we, you know, as anything, this takes time to use right. to know to really get it. And I was like, man, where does it explain where this Thin Blood Alchemy comes from? Like, you know, I know where it came from in requiem right right we know the ordo dracul experimented a lot with the coils of the dragon which mm -hmm. was dealing with the banes of vampires and how to overcome them right this very much seems to be exactly where this idea came from it says here thin bloods pioneered and practiced the art of thin blood alchemy however this, this doesn't say where what how or why right right but it does give you an idea of where they might have came up with the idea right it says Whenever a thin blood feeds, they gain one dot in a discipline associated with the resonance of the blood consumed. Yeah, yeah, and that that which, makes sense. Which is which is pretty cool, right? Right. They don't get the thin bloods don't get disciplines like normal vampires get disciplines. Their right. blood's too thin; it right. can't hold the power, which makes sense as to why they're called a thin blood. However, when they go and feed, right? They they, they uh, feed and um, until the next time they have to. Basically, they, they go to one, and when the next time they get to a five, they have to feed again. Next time they get hungry, and then they'll lose the power. But until then, they'll have that one dot. Um, or excuse me, again, additional dot if they're power. I won't get into that semantic, but that's how it works. They feed, and the resonance of the mortal grants them that power because the beast learns it from the blood. Now, clearly, they're making a stretch that the thin blood experimented with, with this very thing, right? When it goes into describing the blood alchemy, it talks about how they are experimenting with different alchemical devices to cook the blood, right? 
to mix it, to mix and match, to try what's, what thickens it, what makes it work, what doesn't right. make it work, and sort of a fevered desperation to matter. Because the Thin Blood's main, where Kadif doesn't know their clan, Boo Hoo says the Thin Blood. Right. Right. You can still ghoul someone. You can still embrace someone. You you still have have the strength you need. We're we're the ones who get kicked around, and we're the first people involved with a hunter incursion because we don't have the protection of a society. So, I get that level of desperation and that level of experimentation with their own blood to have that come about. Is it enough though? Is it enough of an excuse to say, "Hey, yeah, I played with I played with blood of different mortals and in myself," right? And voila, I learned how to have other things, such as what, folks? You may be wondering. Well, the way they they scale the powers, thin bloods are able to mimic any discipline. Right. You know, one level, one to two, based on the strength of their blood potency. Right. But they can mimic it with these alchemical potions they walk around with, you know, for one example, or directly from the source or however they do their their alchemy, really. Right. And they're, they're basically, option. they're making like tinctures. They're making like potions. But again, we're back to that immersion, right? When we talked right. about the uh, the fashion strips, Right. I, if if I'm hearing you right, your problem with the thin blood is this the only one? Because this was my only one. Yeah. That I get to the blood alchemy, and I'm like, man, this needs to be explained yeah. in a way that makes sense that the thin blood have it. Like, was there a, was there a super thin blood who was an alchemist, right. a scientist who sought the strength in the blood, and this and just made it available to other thin blood to help him, and he was killed for it, right. or well, whatever. What what is it? Where did it come from? Right. To to quote Nathan from four or five days ago, um, my big issue was. Um, it's utterly new and there's no previous example of it. And it seems ostentatious. It, it seems like I, like I get why they added it because it's a system so that thin bloods are unique and playable within the confines of this world. Um, but, um, it's, it's overly complex. It's kind of pointless and it makes very little sense within the fiction of what thin blooded kindred are. How did any modern vampire thin-blooded know about alchemy at all, right? That's, that's my issue. It's like um, even if they had made it thin-blood chemistry, right? Like give me something as simple as a chemist who was embraced thin-blood decided to start doing science with his blood and he figured out some key specific factors within his blood. That would make sense to me. But That's wildly the same problem. <laughs> right. So, so it's just to me – Thin blood alchemy, it's a miss. And it, it to me, it's a major miss. And it's a miss so enough that I've been keeping a letter grade in my head and it dropped at a whole letter grade. And 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 I'm pretty sure I was thorough. Right. And I didn't find anything in it that made any sense to me. That's my opinion. So clans. Well, Go ahead, go ahead. I, I just want to point that out. Like uh -huh. the alchemy, it's the nature of me to try because I really want you to be able to 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 see all angles right. and then sometimes i get convinced too uh, of seeing it one way yep. uh, for me it was easier to swallow when i learned that the fact that they got to have something now they lost the ability to have a discipline right they got a feed to get it but but i also thought that was cool right it's a great weakness a great advantage sure just sure. think of it they're not they're not bound to any one discipline either absolutely so there's that and, that's and you guys cool. may be thinking went went one discipline dot come on bob you don't know the power levels yet right so uh, it characteristics. So is what I'm looking at. And when, and when you get into it, and this is what I mean. This is the one flaw in this book that when I was reading it threw me for a loop. Right. Yep. 
And they give an example of Thin Blood Alchemy and what they talk about. And then they talk a whole hoopla about how it could be, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to read this and see it because I found the section again. And I want to see if you get it. Or if you like, we could read in silence and see if it changes in opinion. <laughs> no, no. Uh, what, what I'll tell you is, um, as you read, um, I have reconciled this. Because, again, um, if, you, if you don't get it by now, I think we're two hours into this podcast. Like, obviously, Bob and I like this. And this isn't enough for me to go, I don't want to play this game. It's not world-wrecking enough for me to go, this isn't a good book. I still think this, so far, what we've reviewed is a good book. Good. Good book. Um, however, for me to reconcile the, the issues I have with the Thin Blood, specifically the um, Thin Blood alchemy and the stuff that I don't really care for about it, um, I will reconcile it in this way. I will not include them as playable characters in my game. I just won't do it. And that's not wrong. It's not right, but it's not wrong. I'm not saying uh, I, I'm not saying I won't include them in my game, but for me to dissolve the thin blood alchemy and just take that out, it hampers thin blood kindred to the point where I don't find them to be worthwhile for play. Right? If I'm taking that that advantage away from them, then I either have to take them out of the game specifically, or I just have to bar them from play. And you know what? The way that character creation is made, age is built in. So I can go, hey, guys, do we want to play a coterie of Thin Blood? Do we want to play a coterie of Neonates? Or do we want to play a coterie of Ancilla? And guess what? Your age is already built in. I've already got <laughs> stats for that. They did, in one stupid little rule, more than four other previous versions did, where I can go, how do you want to play this game tonight? This game that we're starting, how do you want to play? And so for me, that's the way I can reconcile it by going, there's things about this that I don't like, but they don't ruin the entire game by removing them. After hearing what you said, I don't want to take away the power of those words. I'll try. I don't want to stop on it. Uh, but I will ask this, though. Yeah. Are you familiar with the power of anima in yeah. an occult based sense? Yeah. Now, you have to understand where this alchemy comes from. I know where it comes from. I even know where it comes up and why it was in Coils of the Dragon or mm-hmm. Dracula, Dracula, right? right? Um, it's been long assumed that Dracula experimented with the dark arts. Right. Alchemy has often been associated with those dark arts. But remember, they had to update this game. Right. Right. They, they updated it to be something not only different, but something unique that could be played with, that you could have. But one of the things that was immutable was that when you feed from someone, their anima, right, their soul. But that was a term they used. Their anima was believed to be trapped in their blood. Right. And that's really what vampires are feeding on. And that's why it strengthens them. That's why the resonance matters. That's why the memories are possible. But is it possible to find a resonance, a, a humor strong enough in a mortal that you feed from to that the beast is somehow awakened, right? is somehow changed, and thus has something different? Now, yes, you can go on and feed. If, if you can go and feed from someone and gain the discipline of that anima, that resonance they have, then it stands to reason that you could distill that from someone else because in modern society now, people can experiment and create drugs, designer drugs even, uh, in their own home, make you know to, to horrific effect, but but enough to make businesses in some area. Right. So this is capturing that element of uh, that that drug scene, or uh, as as they put it, the cocktail culture. Right. What do they right. call them? They're not a. What's the term? A mixologist. Thank you. Mixology. Right. That we know what we're doing because we've done the work in our own lab, and in so doing, we have to hustle though 
to get these little tweaks, these little extra powers that are jolts that aren't quite as good as vampires, but maybe, if we're lucky, can mimic what they can do. Now, is that me bailing it out? Yes. But it's, <laughs> but it's bailing it out because my brain went, that's not exactly written here, right? but, but it's sort of here. Right. You know what I mean? They give it through it. But I want you to remember, anyone listening to remember, this is pulled from thick occult folklore. Right. Vampires aren't just monsters and what have you. They've, they've been they've been infernalists in some capacities. They've been powerful warlocks in several different retellings of authors, uh, and Rice even being one of them. Right. And and that's and that's you know one of the more famous ones. And th- that's okay. That's cool because that also is mysterious and unique and, and cool. And so this flavor is here, but it has to be here early. They made this game to where you're not waiting forever to eventually get this cool, interesting power. They made it to where you can get it right now. And it's clear that this is only the beginning, right? Because they hint in here there may be a library in Cairo yeah. where you can find another thing mm-hmm. and what have you. But to back you up, Nate, I fully understand that if you were going to, man, if you were going to quench my thirst, why'd you give me only a quarter of a glass of water? Right. You know what I mean? And I get that. Like, this is, this is almost 100%, but maybe we got away. Yeah. yeah. So that's me. I'm so- okay with it. And I understand why you're not. Right. That's all I'm saying. Cool. Okay. So moving on from there, the thin blood, take it or leave it. That's your opinion or your 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 position to to decide. Now we move into the next chapter, which is rules. Right. And um, let me let me a little pop quiz, hot shot. Um, <laughs> you're on a bus going 85 miles an hour, and um, you need to run a scene. What is the length of time of that scene, Bob? However it takes. Wait, what's that? You mean there's no specifically defined time for a scene? We don't put Keanu Reeves to a timetable. <laughs> Doesn't happen. So the biggest thing that you're going to find is that dynamically the system of turn, counter turn, every scene is three seconds, every, you know, the, that's changed fundamentally because the scene is as long as it needs to be, right? That's the bottom line. Time is handled differently because this isn't a game that's focused on stats and dice rolling first. This is a game that is cinematic. This is a game of storytelling, right? So however long it needs to be is how long it is. That's it. Simple as that. Um, Also... Right. Also, there is a thing they mentioned at the very beginning here of this chapter, um, <laughs> the time in memoriam. The, uh, like the fact that this never occurred to me, the, you, you know what I'm talking about? The memoriam, the concept of, yes. of memoriam. So what's, what's time in memoriam? Time in memoriam is like essentially time in a flashback. In every vampire movie or show or anything that we've ever seen, there's a time when two vampires or a, a, a gaggle of vampires, if you will, will sit down anyone. and they'll talk about something that they did together 50 years ago or 60 years ago. Well, now there's a system for that, for that flashback. And I'm like, how did I run this game for so long? And it never occurred to me to run a fucking flashback. To, to to explore in game terms what you're talking about in the present day. Like, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. 
Like I'm, I am now. Uh, here, here's my agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I thought it was horrible that they included it. <laughs> I thought it was horrible. Um, they've always had flashbacks, right? They've always mentioned it's a right. storytelling technique that you could use, you could utilize, you could use it when you want to. We talked about it on podcast, right? Um, we're talking on this one, but to me, that that the memorium is uh, is great to read. It's it's reaching for the clouds at this point because a lot of people. For for playing their character, it's about control. It's about them, and it has to be. Right. Because your defense mechanism for playing something you don't understand because you're not an actor, but you're trying to learn, is to, is to learn as you go. Right? They yeah. even talk about that as a type of character build. Right. Just make the sheet, get the concept in mind, but just be prepared to talk about who you are as you go along in the story. Right. And the storyteller take notes about what they're saying. So you can hold them to it, right? Right. A lot of players want to play that way because it's easier, and it gives them an idea of what the game is. Right? And so even if you're experienced and now you have this memoriam, I'm experienced. I don't need you to tell me what we did a while ago because I made the concept. We had the background. Um, You can just narrate. Is it a flashback I'm having? Whatever. And it turns into this interesting debate. Right. Right. Because it opens your discussion, opens up the door for a lengthy discussion. And we're talking about if we made rules to speed things up, to not slow down the RP. Um, nine times RP in the moment, a cool scene where people meet and sit down and start talking about the past and joke. If you have good role players, and these are above average role players, they're going to make this up on the fly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's that's very true. That's very true. However, um, I think that um, I don't I don't want to sound like shitty or, or braggadocious, but like I think that we are um, advanced role players. I think that for us. Like we spent a lot of time doing off the cuff improvisational role playing. And I think that in that regard for us and and even for the group of people that we play with, that's super easy to do because it's a skill we've developed over, over many, many years of doing this. I think for people that aren't, that don't have the ability to just role play in the moment and roll with, you know, have the rule of never saying no, you know, the yes, but, um, I think this is a great addition to a game. Is this something that I would add in my game? I, I'd be willing to explore it. It's not going to be a major focus though. Well, I will, I will admit that, uh, maybe, maybe I don't understand its usage. I'm fair. I can admit mm-hmm. that. Right. I, I, you know, at first read, I, I'm not getting it. Right. Uh, but, uh, I'm pointing out that when it's, when I think of flashback, I think of a story control, a storyteller controlled, uh, scene where as we go back in time to allow the players to kind of tell us what they do in the moment, if this is something we planned from the beginning before you played your character, mm-hmm. right? We know the vampire are going to be. Now let's do a flashback to understand how we got here and everybody's involved. All right, that's yeah. cool. But this read to me like we can meet each other in a room and sit down. And then suddenly we start to us like time for a memoriam. Right. So and, and we we do a flashback scene of hey man, where were you? When when the twin towers fell, so so what the, were you doing? Right. Well, I mean that's that's definitely one way of seeing it. Um, I I've, when I read this, what I the impression that I got was as a vampire who's lived the ages. You know, we're talking over a hundred years, like more than a mortal's lifespan. You you wouldn't be able to recall with absolute clarity every moment of your existence. You'd fucking go insane. And to that, I agree. I, I've always felt that like an elder who's lived 500 years is going to have a hell of a time recalling that certain conversation they had at a table, you know, with with, uh, you know, Tom DeLong, the the Torador elder. 
but they're in the same Ford, I understand. Right, right. But they're in the same coterie. And so what (laughs) what immemorium is, is you talk about like, hey, um, do you have access to this information and your elders, your your characters or whatever kind of contemplating it and you're transformed back into that that spot. So you're literally like transporting the game and the things that are happening in memoriam are what are shaping the memories of what you have in the modern time, right? When you leave that memoriam, you, you now have the memories of what happened because they're not predetermined, right? You're remembering the circumstance. And so like there are, but again, like everything else, there's no hard and fast rules here. And that's, that's what the beauty of this is. Like these are, these are definitely like they're things that can be used to enhance your game. So what you're saying, this is a stumping tool, right? Players are stumped. They're not picking up the plot. Yeah. They're not getting it. Right. But you have a MacGuffin. You right. have a player who's two centuries old who could figure it out. So they get a round two. Right. Right. They have Absolutely. to go back and try to figure out the puzzle that's laid before. Right. Absolutely. Or to tell the or, tale for the first time. Or the storyteller can tell them. It's true. The memory. It's true. That they <laughs> forgot with the die roll. It's very and true. And if that's what it takes or whatever they need. And and give them extra info based on if they have auspects or the resonance they fed on recently. You, you, Maybe it's the mortal they fed that give them the memory that helps them through it. You absolutely 100% are correct. And the thing about that is, is that the, because these aren't hard and fast rules, like you have to enter a memoriam. Yeah. When, you, when you cross the threshold, you must enter a memoriam. The, they're not hard and fast rules. They're literally just tools and and I think that it's really important to emphasize this book is just a bunch of tools to help you as a storyteller to tell your damn story. Well, I got two phrases for you. Everything I don't like is Hitler <laughs> and somebody moved my cheese. So I would have to, I want to play, I want to play a player and use this technique with me to fully get yeah. uh, the joy that someone has with it. So I could see how much more fun it could be. Uh, and maybe I'm, I'm fully open to being wrong, but right. I also think that's one of the many joys of this book. I can be completely wrong and off my rocker again. Yeah, absolutely. Good. And well, here's the thing too. Like there are people that once this podcast comes out, they're going to be talking about their, you know, they're going to be having done like actual plays of the game and recording it. And, uh, we haven't done that. We are reading the book and we're reviewing it based on what we're seeing. And what I'm seeing here, uh, is cool. It's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of elements that, um, I think that, um, are going to be great for people who want to improve their storytelling and want to improve what they get out of playing a character beyond just what the changes are to the world. And that I think is the major benefit of this book. The things that Bob and I have been talking about in our Patreon podcasts and we've been doing in our reviews for two years now. Uh, it's all in here. Like they listened. Right. It's just, it's in this book. So character creation, that's where we're at. Essentially rules and character creation, character creation to me so far as I've read it and started to play it out is the most dynamic version of character creation. uh, I've ever had the opportunity to experience in this game. The truth. So some first impressions I have Um, one, it gives you more options. Um, but it has focus, right? We all are familiar with Vampire the Masquerade as you get 753, you get 1395, you get 15 freebie points, or you get five freebie points, or blah, 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 blah. We know like the back of our hand. What does that give you? It just gives you a pile of points to, you know, 
to just plop on a sheet. Now, when you make a character, if you're doing this by yourself in your room or at your kitchen table, you should close your book, put your pencil and your, your notebook away and go find your group. Go find your storyteller. Go find your group because that's how this is designed now. It's true. Um, this uh, this whole setup talks about a lot of things, and uh, one of them is is that everybody can do two methods, right? They have these zero method, right? Mm-hmm. We all sit down and we build everything from scratch. You know that that all is in the players, right? We we hear the storyteller, we heard the tenants. Now we're all going to build characters, so we're just going to go with a with a dot assignment. You could try to retro that, figure out a way to do it, and they welcome you to do it. However. They have a smooth system where it's like your your whole attribute select category, you know, your primary, phys- tertiary, and or secondary and tertiary, you're assigned dots automatically into whatever disciplines you feel you're good at, or yeah, disciplines, whatever um, physical category, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you a certain amount of dots. They give you a four and one, and then like two threes. And they tell you off the bat, that's that's the lot, that's the point allotment. That's what you're gonna right. that's what you're gonna select. So decide which attribute you are damn good at and what right. other two you are good at and move on. And then, and then actually even tell you that, you know, one technique is to pick your best one right. that you feel your character to be good at and then pick the one stat you're going to have a one in. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the system, this way of doing it is familiar to some build ways I've seen in even Dungeons and Dragons right. because uh, it gives you options. Right. Right. But we know that too many options lead to an argument for dinner in yeah. any couple's life. Yeah. Right. You just eventually got to make a choice. And that's and that's what it does. Yeah, for sure. I, I, the most striking thing to me yesterday, um, Rachel and I sat down and we were like, "Let's let's build some characters. Let's see what this plays out like." And so we we did it like as it's presented in the book, right? We went to the little page and it's got like a little breakdown, a little summary, and we didn't have any concepts in mind. And um, the first thing I did was I came up with a name, right? I, my name is Stephen Sturgis, and Stephen Sturgis was an office worker. Um, you know, a drone, and he's been embraced Malkavian. It took two seconds to come up with. It means nothing, right? It literally means nothing. But I said, okay, based on that, let's follow these rules down, you know, and, and basically everything that we talked about, you know, assigning your stats and, and, you know, working within the confines of like how abilities work now and what that means. You know, we did it in a narrative way. We went, okay, well, what, what was Steve's issue? What was Steve like? Well, who was Steve's sire? And it walks you through all this process. So it's not even like, you know, in, in, the, other, in the older versions, you had to read, right? You had to read to really get this stuff. Here, it's like, no, you get, get your map. You're, you're going to get your coterie map, right? You're all going to be playing together. So write your name down. Now write down your sire's name. Now write down the people, the the other, the SBCs, uh, uh, the storyteller player characters that you're involved with and map that out because I think the biggest fault that this game has is that we're all a bunch of individuals working towards whatever because we're all supposed to be at the table. Like my guy is the biggest badass. Why? Um, I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. In In this new way of character creation, everyone at the table, storyteller players you're all working together to create something that's easier for you to play and that you can understand better so we know so we know what it does how does it do that and so like nate already went through they tell you to pick clan and sire then i started getting into it they told you about attributes and we'll just do the quick summary because this is their recommended right 
You're going to take one attribute at four. That's going to be your best attribute. Right. Then you're going to take three attributes at three. That's the stuff you're really good at. Then four attributes at two because people are average. Right. And in, in some areas, right? And then one attribute you're just not good at, yep. and that's one. Yep. And, right. and and what we did was we walked through that that process. I was like, well, you know, this guy is a guy who worked in an office. Maybe he was like a computer guy, right? He did repairs. So, you know, maybe his intelligence is at a four. And then, you know, I went down the road until I got to the point where I was like, well, he's really socially awkward, right? He's just not good at this. You know, he's not good at interacting, but he's not terrible, right? He can still, you know, go to the ball game with his buddies. So you know, all of his social... Without the sippy cup. Right, right. Without the sippy cup. Uh, so all of his social components were at two. And then I was like, you know, but this guy is just really clumsy. And so, you know, dexterity, he's a one. And what that process did was I talked through, and this is what your storyteller should do with you. I talked through every aspect of what this person was. So immediately I had an understanding of who this guy was as a person, right? I understood why all of these points were allocated. I understood what they meant within the confines of the character. And then it was like, okay, now it's time to get a little bit deeper. You know, did he go to college? Did he not? You know, did he have a hard life? Did he have an average life? And this was the difficult part, right? Because Mm -hmm. what I mean by difficult, your mind is going a mile a minute on all sorts of things that are pretty awesome. Details come easily at this point because you get it. They got you to think in detail based on what attributes select to tell your story. Right. The dots right. tell your story now. They're not just dots. Right. Right. And they, and, and that's what you're describing. They make you think. Then when you get the skills, you're like, if, if you went to college, is that a specialist? Did right. you learn as a specialist? So one skill is amazing at four, and then you have three skills at three, and then three other skills at two, and then three skills at one. Right. Right? Or were you balanced? You know, was it, was it the, the school of hard knocks? Right. Right? You had to learn what you knew. Uh, and wherever you were, and you know, you take three skills at three, five skills at two. You get the idea, right? Right. And uh, right. One of the things that came up was Rachel was like, "Oh, this doesn't. I don't understand. Like, if I'm a specialist, like I have an ability at four, and I have these other ones that are like at two, but it's not the same amount of points as like if I'm um like you know I'm not a specialist, like I you know I'm a jack of all trades." And I'm like, "Yeah, because we're not all fifteen freebie points, right? We're not all the same." Some of us develop different. Our lives develop different. And once I explained to her, like, hey, take the points out of this and look at this from a narrative perspective, like, this is what you're choosing to make as a character, right? So it's more restrictive, but it gives you more creativity that at the end of the day, you're all going to be of a varied, consistent power level, but you won't necessarily have all the points in the same place. You won't necessarily have this character who's got a foreign brawl and a foreign dodge, but can't do anything else. But there's a system to it. All the, right. all those points in that right. example, they equal 20. Right. Give or you take. Know, that's, that's, right. Well, and right. that's, that's what I had to explain to her. I was like, you know, first of all, look at it from an XP perspective, like right. a, an ability of four is not, doesn't have the same value as an ability of two, but it's like, ne- yeah, never. right. It's like, the the points are the points, right? You you can sit down and you can you can build the points, but my point on this is what we're describing is the first game session. And that's what they're describing too in their character creation. That the concept of just slapping points onto a sheet and going, you know, here's Blade, the the uh the trench coat ninja, 
when you sit down with your players, if that's what you want, cool. But that's not how it's that's not how it's written. That's not how it's. Described. I could still make a cane, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can still Don't make crush a cane, my dreams. Bro. right? <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, it, the other thing I just did, I didn't want to miss it, is that you do add free specialties to academics, craft, performance, and science skills. And this is something that was justified back in even V twenty that everybody who has knowledge in these areas, they're, they are specialists, specialists, that's not even a word, Specialties. specialist, you know, nobody crafts everything, right? right. They're, they're specific to what they do. Nobody performs everything. It's specific to what they do and what they've learned. And so they have you pick that direction for free, one for free in those. And then they even on top of it, say, take one more specialty on the house. Right. And that's everybody that helps you round out what you have. Right. And um, I think one of the important things in this, too, that we haven't really talked about too much is the Coterie map. The Coterie map is something that um, um, I talked about earlier, like a callback to first edition. Um, Go read any of the city books in the first edition, and they all have Coterie maps. Oh, you mean the relationship charts? Well, yeah, yeah. In in those books, they have relationship charts. It's a Coterie map. It's essentially – it's a less evolved version of this. And they suggest you get a big piece of paper and you write it down and you keep it somewhere where everyone can see it, right? What is the one thing that most games are lacking? It's cohesion. It's an understanding of what brings individuals together and what relationships look like. And this Coterie map is like such a basic no-brainer. But the fact that they wrote it into character creation, they wrote it into Coterie creation, I think is a bravo. This, the fact they have a coterie creation. Right, right. The fact that it's a focus, right. Uh, the uh, the other thing I want to point out, pretty much your uh, disciplines are what you're going to be used to, right? Uh, a little difference. You know, they, here they definitively tell you, put two dots in one and one dot in the other, right, in relation to your clan disciplines. And uh, for Kata, if you know you get to choose any two disciplines, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that, you know, there you go. Uh, however, there's a predator addition. We mentioned this, right? And a predator gets to pick their type of predator, and uh, you can uh, pick it from one of their lists. They list the page you're on, and uh, add one dot to a listed discipline. This is something your beast instinctively knows. You know the others then are arguably they, they say hey, you hit the ground running as a vampire, right? Your beast comes to the fore knowing right, something. Right. That is that dot. That is that something. Right. And the rest we can assume it's how you fed. Right. If you prefer. And they, but they're all still clan disciplines. So the era of just picking willy-nilly what you want, that's not the direction they intended. Um, but can you do it? Absolutely. Right. You know, at you the end of the day, you can do whatever you want. Right. So we're just pointing that out. And then I'm just saying, because these are questions, right, that they did have a beginning. And then advantages, we said we get to it. We'll real quick get through it. There are advantages. These are your backgrounds and your merits. And you get to spend seven points on them. Right. And uh, you take two points of flaws. Right. Right. And that's that's where you're at. Right. Just and but, you know, to 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 be as specific about it as possible without going too deep into it. Like to me, the character creation, the the act of character creation is so far like my favorite thing in this book. Like the rules are simple, but the rules are designed for you to make what we've been shouting here for, you know, almost three hours now, (laughs) a realistic character that plays like an actual human being right so one of the examples we used last night was they you know they talk about like picking a, an ability or or picking something that's related to your hobby right like who who are you what interrupts your work or you know what is your work interrupt rather and i was like i don't know what steve's hobbies were i don't know what he's into so let's roll some dice and they give you that option you can pick you can roll some dice or whatever but 
I get a dice roll and now that that gears those gears are turning and I'm like oh well you know this guy you know we we come to learn that Steve was in the military Steve served as a Humvee driver you know Steve likes to woodwork and play darts in his spare time like you get to know these characters and that's that's to me the that's that's the best stuff and the rules the dice rules are um they're very very simple and I don't think that we're going to get into like dice rolls you know, no. like that's not that's not for us to debate. Like systematically, that's that's, that's for you. To choose. There right, for you. right. You're going to have to read that, and you're going to have to learn that because our our job is not to teach you how to play V5; it's to review it. Right, and we've gotten. We can't say it's it's quick. It's easy. It makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's it's very straightforward. It's very simple. Um, it's not crazy. It's it's everything here is designed to be easily accessible and quick. And to get you through the process of making a character and playing the game. But I'm going to, I'm going to open the door on something that's our bread and butter, right? I would say more than any other game, at least from our, from our fans that we've uh, received emails on even, and even talked to on voice about, um, they've never been in a game where humanity was ever held so tightly by storytellers where it meant something where it's such an impact. Right. Right. And that's, that's been our bread and butter. We've talked about it. We've preached about it. And in here, I remember when we saw the alpha preview, we were like, oh, man, where is it? Right? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me there's some weird dual-way system with it. No, there's not. In fact, they get deep. They get deep and simple. It's deceptive. Right. And what we're talking about is convictions, right? They make it to where your humanity is not just a, a thing that you can lose. Your humanity is held to your convictions. And what are convictions? But your human values, Right. These are the human values you attempt to hang on to after you've died because this is what you know and this is what helps you from to stop from sliding uh, further into despair or loss of humanity, listening to your beast. And these convictions, you pick three of them, and they list a whole slew of examples, right? Um, we won't go through every one of them, but one is like rob from the rich and give to the poor. You know, another one is always aid women in need, you know, or respect Inert, insert, respect whatever religion you like here is what it says, uh, as sacred and obey its moral laws. And the importance of these, these are the tenets. Well, let me get rid of that word as a tenant for another row. These, these are the self-laws that you're going to be governed to maintain your humanity. Meaning, from three convictions you pick, the storyteller can get an idea of how you uphold humanity and see it. Right. And how you're going to role play right. so they know what to look for. Now, that's not all. You pick three convictions. You also have to pick uh, three. What are the three touchstones? Excuse me. Right. And what a touchstone is, and everybody familiar with the New World of Darkness is going to be, from, or Chronicles of Darkness, as I'm told to call it, uh, is referred to as uh, convictions and touchstones. They're all over those those game systems. It's it's a system in here that is in here. And what touch, touchstones are is that for each conviction, for instance, uh, reject wealth for it corrupts. I now have to attach a touchstone to that. And an example of a touchstone I could put to that and why I have to reject wealth is because I may have a son that I left behind who I watched grow up with my life insurance money that was an extensive collection of money. He hasn't wanted for anything. But I watch how he went from the sweet, innocent boy to the steady, greedy, angry man that that is there because his father's gone. That relationship is shattered. Right. But that is the source of my humanity. I'm trying to influence from afar because he can't know me and I can't be near him because I may harm him. Wow. Yeah. That's, 
I mean, it sounds to me like you're describing a vampire. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, my man. Right. Like, right like what, what, what game have we been playing here? You know, we've been playing a game <laughs> that we've been playing a game that has sort of in an abstract fashion dealt with humanity. Right. Like it's a sliding scale. Like, uh, I'm, I'm here and tomorrow I could be here if I go murder a bunch of people. Well, now your humanity is, is definitely less like left to a scale, but it's more of something you can touch and it's tangible. These are stories of vampires, not just superpowered X-Men, right? That's, that's the thing. This book, this version V5 is designed in such a way that the concept of vampirism is center to your play. Not just, I'm a guy with superpowers who happens to get burned by sunlight. That's, that's, right. that's what I'm seeing, you know? <laughs> Why don't you stay out of the sunlight then, guy? And you're right, good, right? right. And it's, there's a lot more to it. And it, because it flies in the face of common parlance, right? Like I recently uh, had the interesting, I'll call it a social experiment, of listening to a group of players say they're playing vampire and, and dang it, gushed on it. They just want to go into an arcade and have a good time. Just, just for once, just, just go there and just put a quarter in and not have to worry about anything. You know, not having to feed them to do any of that. Just, you know, hey, storytellers, just leave us alone. Right? And I thought about it. And I sat there and I said to myself, I went, well, let me think about this for a second. You're already playing a fantasy game, right? You already right, know it's based right. on gothic horror, right? Mm-hmm. Or gothic punk is what, is what it's become now. Um, it's interesting. Because you're playing a monster and you're looking for release. You're looking for a break. You're looking from not having to worry about what your character has to worry about. And to me, I was like, well, um, that's, that's, that's a situation they've, they came to. I wonder if they figured it out. Right. Right. To me, it's like they just bit into the apple, right? Devil gave them the apple. They bit into it and been chewing it for a little bit. They gained all knowledge. They know of all possibilities and what it could be. And then they realize they've been chewing on worms, right? It's an mm-hmm. apple, but it's rotten to the core. And they're like, oh, man, can I just get another another flavor of apple? And you got to be like, you need to understand there are no breaks in damnation. Right. Right? Can you go play in an arcade? You certainly can. Can you have a safe space away from the creature you are? No. And your vampire cries out and hopes and desperately wishes they can. And that's called Gokanda. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> right. And that's, and that's one of right. those things there. Their systems are there. And, and to me, it was like, you know, maybe some players just need to take a break. Right. And right. step back and realize the game they're playing. And maybe, and maybe uh, either play with a light, more lighthearted version of it that they want. But to me, we hold to the core of what it was made to be. You play because of the romance, the, the, the goth romance that always has been right. uh, that horror element. And it's always battling to maintain what you were. Can you have a scene where it's discussing the good old days, remembering the taste of things, reminisce? Like, I thought it would be more powerful if those players had gone to that cool scene they had, but took it from the perspective of a vampire and went there and watched a group of friends playing those video games. Right. Right. And then reminisce and nostalgia because they can't be near them because of the danger they represent. Right. And that would show that they understood what they were doing. And I think that would have been more insightful, more engaging, and a better scene, but also capture that element, we are, we are not for the light anymore. Right. No, and still and, hold to that. But, and, and what you're describing is kind of uh, how we take sort of a, a vague concept like humanity and being humane, and we create um, 
something that's tangible, a touchstone, something that, that these things represent the identity and, and my identity remaining, you know, free from the, like trying to stay free from the shackles of the beast, just, just trying to not be consumed by this, this quench, this unquenchable thirst for blood in order to quench this thirst, I have to kill. Simple right. as that, right? I, it, so, so what you are is front and center. Now, we could go on for hours more, right? But we've gone on for almost three hours now, and I feel like I need a shower. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, I agree that. It, go, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying that the stamina is weighing low, and as, right. as good as I am, you get sometimes you got to right. get that break in, get that Gatorade. So, so let's wrap this up. We've talked a lot and there's a lot more. There's 200 additional pages we could talk about, but you need something to read, right? You need to go out and you need to buy this book. And I think that we need to make a definitive statement here as Nate and Bob, who are unincorporated with White Wolf, for sure. What is our opinion? Um, I have pros and cons. I got a list. So I'm going to let you go because I, I don't know if you have a list. I'm going to let you say your piece. I'll bookend you and we'll wrap up this review. So the pros of this book are everything I've ever wanted in a vampire game is in this book. Yeah. So there's a con. I have a picky, non-expert artistic opinion about what I would want to not be immersion breaking for me when I first saw it. Uh, that's uh, to me, it's not really a compl- it's it's more of a eh. It didn't work for me, but the everything else did, mm-hmm. and uh, my opinion can change to that right. in regards of that. Um, to be on the real, I could tell you what I know from hearing in the community, what I'm probably going to hear, right? And it's not it's not negative, right? It's the fact that let's look at Requiem. We before we changed, we went from uh, Vampire the Masquerade Gehenna, and we jumped to Requiem, and we did a vast change, and the rules were all different, and the themes were deeper. They were more they were more Romantic, passionate, descriptive, real powers were given, different cooler lore, multiple clans you could play, all sorts of new power. And and everybody can get involved. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. They were right. It was great. Everything was good. But you know who they got? Me. <laughs> right? right? They got me and right. people who felt like me who weren't afraid to step forward <laughs> right, and try it and enjoy that. But who did they lose? They lost the whole ship of people. Right. That that like the old stuff, which is why it's hung around, and that's why we got V twenty, and that's why we have right. now the attempt at V five. Now, is V five a merger of Requiem style with with the old V twenty? Right. In my opinion, yes. Right. It's not exact. Right. They were smart about it this time. It is so familiar that you almost feel that it's a slight adjustment you're making to understand what you're doing. Yet, they are major adjustments because you're understanding high-profile attachment to what you're now playing. It's, it's an adult upgrade right. to what you had. They finally got their message out. And so what I'm saying is they found their writing voice for the material that they were always wanting to do. And they, they are bold enough to step forward and deliver that material the way it was meant. And I feel finally they hit the mark. So this is a definite buy you need. It's not just you need it. If you're playing vampire and you're not using V five, you're 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 on old busted right. with the new <laughs> right, hostage, right. the new hotness. That's it is, what it is. It is uh, distinctly a change. That's that's uh, that's evident. Um, all right. So my pros and my cons. Um, I'll give you a pro and I'll give you a con. My first pro: 
character creation is awesome. The way that it, it's designed is honestly how it should have always been in all previous versions. And it's what we, uh, Bob and I, have wanted and, and most of the people I've played with. It's what we've wanted for years. So that is a definite pro. A con, um, new versions can um, nullify. This new version here can nullify a lot of your older books. Because it's a completely new system, um, there's not currently an easy conversion for like your NPCs and other books that you might be using. Um, so that can be alienating for some people. Uh, for me as a storyteller, I don't feel this is a big deal because I rarely ever use the stats point for point anyways because I'm the storyteller. They just give me a guideline of what, what the company intended when they wrote it. Pro, the game is simple, it's accessible, and it's easy to follow and is designed for group play. That is completely unique. None of the other ones, group play or coterie creation was like a page. It was like, a, oh, you could play this with coteries. Um, <clears throat> another con, the disciplines. Some changes, the dominate, blood magic, I don't care for. Um, this is more about how what? old, I, yeah, I don't care for. Um, I don't care for blood magic on a whole. However, this is nitpicky, and I'm I'm going to state this for the record. Um, I, you know, I have I have a way of doing things from old versions. Well, you know, whatever. That's my bad. But oh man, I'm profound. Can we can we mash a little bit on those disciplines? Yeah, yeah you sure. Have time? Yeah, yeah. I, I have like, time. Like, hit me, hit me. What did you like? Because I loved them. Um, I think that uh, combining thaumaturgy and quietus was um, profoundly silly. Here's here's the thing. And this is the this is the I, I'm grooving with the message you're delivering, right? Mm -hmm. They took all the traditional vampire powers; those you get. Mm -hmm. Those those are called disciplines, right? That's what they do, right? So the unique ones they've had out that's blood sorcery, right? And and, and that's fair. I understand. And again, I want to just I want to me this is this could be a perceived con. This is something that I don't necessarily care for. And I know if I don't necessarily care for, I'm I'm like a vampire apologist, right? People are going to be like, <laughs> this is fucking stupid. Um, but w the other thing that I didn't really care for, but I kind of understand why they did it, was removing dementation and making it a power of dominate. It is one power of dominate. And I was kind of like, well, um, I don't. But to me, a venture being able to use dementation, I don't necessarily get that. I don't necessarily like that. I they think could. That, but here's what here's I saw that, too. It said that if you're a Malk who wants to dominate, you can get it now. And now right. that you have it, you can choose dementation. Right. And still have that dominate. Because to me, it, and, and this is my only gripe, I felt dementation sucked. Well, back, back well in he, it was yeah, hot that's garbage. beside the point. <laughs> Right, you know what I'm saying? It sucked, and I think they knew that. I think right. they knew that right. we got to come. Why did we change it from dominate? Of course, if the goal is just to make someone babble in a corner, right? Why do we have an entire discipline that's designed to make people crazy? When, um, and and, and you know, whatever. It's it's definitely it's one of those things. Again, I say it's a con insofar as people will gripe about it. For me, these are all forgivable. Um, so let's go back to the pros, blood. Yeah. Hunger and feeding is creative. Uh, it's thematically in line with the game. It's uh, mercurial and it's designed for story over mana. Like I got to go fill up my magic pool by, you know, throwing back a few cold ones. <laughs> that's not what this is. And that's not what it should have ever been. And the fact that they've created it in a creative way, or I'm sorry, they've fixed it in a creative way. 
uh, is great. Con number four, and again, I preface this with, it's not necessarily that I think it's a con, um, but I think people will think it's a con, is a lack of elder uh, and sabbat. Uh, um, but this is, this is also a pro, so I, I got I to gotta address that too. So um, lack of elder and sabbat is both a pro and a con. It's a pro because it changes the dynamic that many players uh, have taken great umbrage with in the past, uh, unattainable goals, the lack of humanity of the sabbat. Um, so in that regard, it is a massive pro. It's also a con um, for many of the same reasons. I think one of the core elements from the original release is now missing. Um, and this, to me, could be perceived as caving to pressure to people who are, you know, uh, they're a little hurt that they can never surpass the elders or that the Sabbat are so bloodthirsty and inhumane. When I think about it, though, when I was reading through the disciplines, I went through a couple times, as you know. Mm-hmm. First off, I'm a recovered I'm, I am a reformed cane bro. <laughs> so right. we have old habits. Right. So I dove right to the heart of the matter. Right. And, and here's the reason why I call myself a cane bro. I do it in jest because I, I, I listen, guys. I know a lot of you like the combat of vampire. I'm a fan of action films too, but I, I'm not as, as hard up to have to see it uh, in, in vampire. I want to state that. But I say it because I originally made the label, so I will wear the label with pride. I am a reformed cane bro. But that said, when I looked at them, I wanted to see the potential abuses for power. Right, right. That were in the game. Yeah, of course. But they, but they tied blood potency into it, right? Which I won't get into because that's more lengthy than, and it takes away from the point. Right. Um, they made a lot of the elder disciplines that you couldn't originally get. Now they're accessible. Right. And you have a choice as you level up, right? Because it's, it's one through five still, but usually every level has two different powers you can choose from. A pathing of sorts. Right. That you can go through. It doesn't stop you from getting the other discipline, but remember, XP is slow to come by in the scale that they gave. You're not getting seven a night or ten, no. even in some cases. No. You know, you might get one. You might get two. Right. It's not about you skyrocketing through because remember, this game's about the young, right? It's about what they're doing to do it. You certainly can do that, but right now you don't have the leeway or the room to do it. And why is that? You have elders who, as they get there, get summoned off. To get beckoned. Right. We don't know to what yet. That said, I was like, okay, keeping that in mind, then we had to adjust the scale somehow. Well, when you look at it, like in the case of, uh, uh, I want to say it's fortitude, right? You get flesh and marble at level five. You can select it. Right. Flesh and marble, I believe, was a level six, right? And in fact, I'm positive it was a level six. Uh, that was in, um, I said fortitude. It's protean. <laughs> um, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's the thing. But when I saw that that was accessible, I was like, ah, oh, man, far out. Well, what are they saying? Well, it makes sense, but the power is huge. It now feels like a level five, right? right, right. It's not just dots. Every level meant something. And so what it is, is that, you know, I'll just describe the power when activated once in a scene, you can negate all damage, right? What does that sound like to you? That sounds like fortitude. Right. Sounds it's, like ages. It sounds like ages, right? Right. But a flesh and marble is supposed to be a protean power. And yet I think the reason why I'm even confused that I'm going to look at that right now is because I'm pretty certain it is a fortitude power at level five and I misspoke it because I'm correct in old terminology, uh, but not in, uh, in the current. But my point is it's a level five power of which I will now do the walk of shame and look up where it is um, just to make sure I got at least that much right. 
uh, in the review. Uh, but uh, the that's okay, Bob. Uh, you're you're three hours into this podcast, uh, and if you're like me, you have your air conditioning turned off. So <laughs> you're I have my air conditioning turned off, so Comcast stops raping me. Is why mine's turned off because it's not intolerable where we're at. It's 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 all right if one keeps their head down. All right, so I'm here to correct it. I'm looking. Um, also, there's cool other powers in here, too, because remember, we, we didn't mention this, Nate. While I'm looking, do you want to go through the, the cool thing about willpower and oh. social? Well, yeah. So um, the, what they did with willpower, you know, um, you, have, you have your health, right? You, have, uh, you can take physical damage. Well, now you can take mental and emotional damage with your willpower, right? You can take aggravated damage to your willpower. So let's say we're having a conversation at Elysium. Right, and we're having a debate near the harpy, and I'm I'm the upstart trying to to take it. Well, now there's rules for our battle, right? Like yep. that never existed before. And depending on how long you go, the barbs that are exchanged and 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 the the whatever the dice end up showing you. There's actual rules for becoming mentally exhausted, becoming shamed. It's. Uh, I'm probably not doing it justice in my description. But you're doing it's it justice awesome. because you know what? You know what you're not hearing. Mm. I'm hearing it loud in my ears. All those people who made those social characters and felt it's a waste they can't compete with combat characters. It is when you humiliate them, right? <laughs> because they have rules for it. Your willpower is no longer a permanent score and a temp score. It's just willpower. And guess what? It's all temp. Right. You have an absolute max you can get, of course, but it's expendable to a zero rating. And and so in doing that, and also you take like uh, what is it superficial damage in willpower right, that right. comes back quickly over minutes, right. you know, like a spur or whatever. And then when you get down to zero in that, you're forced to leave or you're cowed or you're embarrassed or whatever it is. Right. But if it if it's a real bad burn or whatever, it becomes aggravated, meaning you can't you can't even look at the person who embarrassed you or who shamed you. You can't lift a finger against them, you know. It adds a real world element, I feel, to it, you know, because when right. somebody does humiliate you, it's very hard to hang your head yeah, high. After absolutely. It takes time. Yeah, so I, I agree. Uh, what it also means, all these other powers for the crunch aspects out there, you become more affected by other powers. So the well-rounded character is now the goal to make when you do this, because that's the best way to defend yourself against both or to be able to be effective in both. Right. 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 And and as to draw and, and I said that to sound competent because I, I did misspeak. It is not under Protean. It is, of course, under Fortitude and is level five. And and that's what it is. Uh but uh back to the discipline point. Uh that's just that's just the powers are cool every level. You get a vast array and assortment of unique powers. Some of them are the same, I will state that. A lot of them are gonna be familiar mm-hmm. to you. But there are definitely unique ones and are even amalgam ones as they call them. And those are ones where you would need another discipline. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the concept of combo play. disciplines. Yeah, but uh, it's Which a little bit—it's a little bit different. Um, I, so I think that um, a lot of my cons, just to articulate, are based on what I feel that a lot of veteran people will have complaints about. Um, right. You know, and uh, you know, I—I heard <laughs> in a conversation with someone I won't name, but. They all they read was the alpha, right? The alpha slice, as the term goes, and they were like, "Well, celerity is so bad that blah blah blah." I'm not even going to be like they they don't know what they're doing, and I'm like, "You don't know what the fuck you're doing." 
it's not it's neither here nor there but it's like how do you judge a game based off of what 20 pages of of an alpha that they presented like come on right it's, it's that's and, ridiculous and, and, and what did they do with celerity they made it relevant what did right. they do with fortitude made it relevant potence made it relevant right when every power has a red ability they they, they knew that there was a flaw in it that when you just make it a dot, people treat it as just a dot. But when you right. give it a descriptor and why, and they could see it and feel it, and it does something, therefore it's much better, and people right. want it. Right, right, absolutely. So, um, last one, um, uh, both a pro and a con: the design and the artwork. Um, as a pro, I think that the contemporary design sets itself apart from previous versions of the game. This book looks like the grown-up version of Vampire: The Masquerade. It's plain and simple. Um, as a con, it's a vast departure from previous versions, um, even from uh, Chronicles of Darkness. It, this could put off some older fans and who don't think that the style matches their idea of what Vampire the Masquerade is, right? It's not the, the, the green with the rose. It's just not that, right? It's, it's a game for a new world. We're looking to grow our audience and bring more people into the game that we love but, I mean, let's face it, one of the major problems of this, this fan base is they tend to be very fickle and they tend to be um, very reluctant and resistant to change. Um, I am not. I think change is great. I think change breeds creativity. Creativity breeds change. And everything that's good got there by improving on something um, that was good before it. And so my final score pre sit down to play as just a review i'm going to give it an a minus i of course give it an a plus and i, and I want to add i got i got some some strong uh statement to make i may not know about art but i do know passion and i do know hard work and i do know what looks good and i may not know all the clever terms because it just wasn't my hobby to get into and i let my boy nate handle that that talk when it's there which is why i won't step to the contemporary i don't even really know a clear definition of contemporary art in my head, but <laughs> apparently it's in the book. But I will tell you this. I know what's hot, and I know that a lot of the models in here, it's real hard to maintain what they do, what they were selected, and the artist's eye must capture them in the best light to deliver that impactful emotion. If you go back to probably the mid, I'm pretty much throughout this, you can hear me and Nate rave ooh and ah about the actual photos in the book, and then even give some hard compliments to uh, what, what we think Maybe not be for us, but may give you guys some ideas on how to rock your own art based off the inspiration of what they have in there. And why I say that is a long time ago, a friend of mine took me to the art museum and I was I was I was Jack Bob. And I was like, this is going to be boring. And I walked in there and we spent we were there from open to close because I've never really tried to feel an emotional connection to anything I saw. But my imagination was taken away, was blown away by everything that I saw from across history to what an artist poured themselves into. And it's not just what they did at its core. Art is just paint on a canvas is just ink from a pen. However, when you try, when you look at what it is, what they called it, and you try to capture what it means to you and what the artist tried to convey, that's the art. They've done what they were set out to do and whatever it means to you gives it its relevance. So when you look at this book, you have to try to look at this book. You can't just rely on your friend's opinion. You can't even rely on your first glance. You have to take all of its aspects into consideration. That means you may have to read a little and then look at a picture and see how you feel about it. You know, maybe look at the picture first 
then read where it was embedded and see if you can get the total picture. That's just my advice. Oh, and also, just for the record, um, before we wrap up this podcast, there is um, at least one Tim Bradstreet piece of artwork in this book, and uh, it's in the back, <laughs> in the lore sheets. Um, I'll let you, as, a, as the player, listener, or whatever, I'll let you track that down. So it's not totally gone. Also... Oh, you, I kind of feel you might be saying it. I'll let you go. Um, well, I was going to refer to one of the lore sheets as well. That's um, the kind of brought bloodlines into canon yes yeah so we'll yes, let, we'll let you guys find that too but uh i i was like that's freaking awesome yep and like so just a brief admission before we close out this podcast um i never played bloodlines however we run a game online that is in california it takes place in california and so we were like, what What are we going to do? Like, we don't know what the, the history is. We don't know what happened after Gehenna. So we kind of like decided to take bloodlines and take the information that we had in like LA by night and combine it. And so that's how we know of this character. Well, that's how I know of this character. Right. And so I kind of, I've come to know it fairly well, even though I've never played the game. However, that's down the road. That could be a thing. You know, at some point I'd like to play the game and maybe like record it and, and provide it to you guys. But, uh, um, yeah. I meant to ask you specifically because you, you're my go-to for it. Okay. In the beginning of the book, I was looking at it today and I was like, Neil Gaiman cited as one of the writers. Uh-huh. Is it the Neil Gaiman? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what his contribution was, but yeah, I mean, he is credited. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you like actually participated in actively writing this, but yes, it is the same Neil Gaiman. But uh, it's, I, I'm just saying that for those who are fans of him, I'm I'm one. I'm not a super fan, obviously, because I, I I did know that he he did, and I'm not downcrying anything. But when I said it, I looked at that and I was like, man, I was looking it up and I just, I, I was just floored. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, just, um, it was really cool to see. I think it's definitely a very well written book and i feel that the people that spent the time to produce this um I, i'm really i'm really impressed with what they've brought to the table um just as a just as a game period right without any of the vampire association i think that this is a very beautiful book i can't wait to get my hands on a physical copy uh i'm gonna love to go through this book physically but um now the rub next the pages step, on yourself, get right, that new book rub, rub them on my chest. But now, <laughs> now it's all about play, right? So once this game, once this book is released, we get the copy. That's when the true test comes, right? This is this is something that maybe we'll revisit in a, in a review down the road. However, those of you listening, you'll be listening on the twenty sixth. That's a weird day for a Vampire the Masquerade 25 years podcast to come out. That's because this is a special one-off. Friday, we're going to be reviewing. So the day after you hear this one, we're going to review three books that we missed our first go around. <laughs> we are going to be doing a throwback to First Ed. We're going to be reviewing Ashes to Ashes, Blood Bond, and... Um, Oh, shit. Um, blood Nativity. Blood Nativity. Thank you. Blood Nativity, Ashes to Ashes, and Blood Bond. Three books that, one of which we kind of touched on, but we're going to be doing a, a first dead review to go with our 
Fifth Ed. For the record, I don't have to sing because Blood Nativity was released under Atlas. <laughs> I, it wasn't Wonder White Wolf. I never had a chance to buy it. I never knew it existed. Right, right. I had not read it, and I don't own it. Well, I own it now. But yeah. the point is, I don't have to sing. Right, right. It is um, Blood Nativity is one of those things that we kind of skipped because, you know, it's it's it was licensed from White Wolf, but it's it's Atlas Games. It was before White Wolf was like officially White Wolf in the traditional sense that they are now. Uh, but the history of White Wolf and all that shit, that's for a different day. My fucking voice is going out. I'm done. Yeah. Thank you yeah. guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We hope it made up for the week that we took off to read and, and digest this book. Until tomorrow, I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we'll talk to you again soon. Hey folks, this is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you'd like to help support our podcast, there's a few ways you can go about doing so. First, you can get some cool rewards by supporting us at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. Check out our website at utilitymuffinlabs.com. We now have a shop where you can get your very own Utility Muffin Lab sticker or pick up a cool shirt from our TeePublic shop. That's tpublic.com slash utilitymuffinlabs. If you want to send us comments or you are a content creator who'd like to be on one of our podcasts, send us an email to nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com. Finally, you can send me actual physical letters to P.O. Box 30332, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46230. We will be at Gen Con this August as well, so keep listening for more details as they become available. Thank you for supporting Utility Muffin Labs. We are consistently rated adequate.